that's what it looks like in Baltimore, Maryland. At least in Baltimore County, folks. You're looking at the view I had yesterday. <clears throat> in horrific weather conditions, to say the least. In the area, <laughs> it was... The blizzard of 2016 certainly uh, did its course uh, to the region. This is my neighborhood. I know to a lot of you in the Northeast or the Mid-Atlantic, or, or I mean, I should say uh, the, the Northern Midwest and maybe other parts of the country are probably laughing a little bit, but three feet of snow dumped on my area. Record storm for the region. Pretty impressive to say the least. Um, and it has delayed a ton of games, postponed them to different points in time. I had a time lapse. Apparently, this system that I use to produce doesn't like the time lapse. But nonetheless, there is your view of the storm uh, in my area. And uh, welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. A little bit delayed here. Apologize for that. A little scruffy, glasses, etc. It has been a crazy weekend here at the house, as it were. Thank goodness we have studios here at the house, or we wouldn't be on the air. Uh, we have three feet of storms. Or snow that dumped in front of us. The car has been undug, but the plows have not been through the neighborhood in uh, almost 36 hours. So there's no chance we're getting out anytime soon, interesting enough. I have a basketball game tomorrow to announce as Goucher and Drew will take each, uh, face each other in landmark play tomorrow uh, at the Sports and Recreation Center in, in uh, at Goucher. A game that was supposed to be played Saturday got delayed to... Um, got delayed to today sunday and then smartly delayed to monday i'm still a little surprised they're going to play it but they're going to play it nonetheless drew can get down despite the weather up there in northern jersey and apparently everything will be dug out at goucher but a record storm in the mid-atlantic region certainly delayed games in the centennial it delayed games in the landmark it delayed games in the cac etc uh, lots of places that it delayed games and as a result we're going to be making up games for a little bit between now and whenever. Uh, I think the Merchant Marine Catholic game will be made up the last regular season before the conference tournaments, February 20th, 21st time frame, to give you an idea of how much this will trickle down. Those sets of teams will play a doubleheader, two doubleheaders. Uh, I think it's going to be Saturday, Sunday, but I'm not positive. I don't have that off the top of my head. So needless to say, craziness from this storm. It dumped three feet, like I said, in my neighborhood. I know it dumped probably more in some other places and less than some others. Um, but it was it's it's a story in Division Three because of how many games get affected, how many schools are affected uh, by that storm is is pretty impressive uh, because the Northeast is so jam packed with schools. Luckily, it did not go very far into the Northeast. It did not go into New England. If it had continued on into New England, we've been talking about even more games postponed and delayed, and teams not being able to get home. There were at least some Division One teams that had trouble on the mass on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, I should say. So luckily. The weather has passed. I know we showed that video, and I apologize to you, those of you listening to the podcast. Uh, not able to appreciate that, but we will have links on our website if you didn't see it, including the time lapse I shot out my backyard, or a back porch, I should say, should you be interested in seeing that as well. It's one of those things that kept me busy besides all the shoveling. If you see my body break down about halfway through the show, you'll understand why. I spent a good, uh, probably about eight or ten hours out there over the uh, time taking care of that. Of course, that meant there was basketball. I'll freely admit, didn't get to see as much as I'd hoped to. I thought, I'll have plenty of time to sit down with a computer and relax. I've got power. We hardly lose power at this location. Sit back and relax and enjoy some basketball games. 
until you try and start making sure you stay ahead of the storm when you're when you're shoveling. You quickly realized Saturday morning that we were going to have to do that or we'd never get our front door open. And I mean that seriously. The front door uh, had to be pushed open Saturday morning, which meant if we hadn't touched it or hadn't done any shoveling, we wouldn't have been out of that front door. Yes, we have a back door, but that would have meant fighting through three feet of snow back there. So I spent much of my Saturday watching the storm, playing outside and taking care of things, not watching as many games as I hoped. And that included today, spent another four hours out there shoveling uh, with the neighborhood, getting everybody un- undug, as it were, um, and then came in here and started working immediately on Hoopsville. We were so far behind trying to get what was normally very easy work to get finished, accomplished. Uh, it took a while. So I apologize. I have not seen as many games as I normally would. I do know that some took advantage of the storms to sit back and watch some Division Three basketball, and I hope you were one of them. Doesn't mean we don't know what happened this weekend, that's for sure. On the men's side, so far the top 25 has been relatively calm, though Elmers took a tough loss, losing 80-62, to the number two team to North Central, 80-62. to That's going to give voters some pause, to say the least. They're now 16-2 and as we vote tomorrow. Uh, even I will be sitting here going, hmm, I know North Central is a really good basketball team, but you, Elmers beats Augustana, and Augustana thumps North Central. How do you read into that? We'll have to read into that in some capacity or another. You have to move down to Amherst, who had a horrific week at number eight, lost to Wesleyan, which we mentioned on Thursday night. They then lost to Colby by two this weekend. I say horrific because they lost two out of three. That's not going to do very well for anybody who's a Lord Jeffs fan. They're going to tumble in the polls, I suspect, out of eighth. They're going to fall probably down to about 15th or so is my guess. Christopher Newport's game against Frostburg State, no surprisingly delayed or postponed, so that game affected by the storm. Franklin and Marshall lost to Gettysburg earlier in the week. That was the only game they played because their game against McDaniel postponed as well. They were supposed to play Saturday, then they decided to play Sunday. I think they're going to play Monday, tomorrow. Don't quote me on that, though, because I don't have it in front of me. We'll keep an eye out for that. We have friends who certainly will tweet us accordingly if they happen to be tuning in, doing absolutely nothing else right now. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to get something. There we go. Getting rid of something on my uh, tweet deck that I don't need anymore, as it were. We'll keep an eye out on whether uh, what, what the status of that game is. We may even look it up. Um, Whitman lost to Pacific Lutheran. There's Pacific Lutheran I know of. That's the one I saw in Vegas, not the one that started the conference play after Vegas losing, what was it, three in a row? Pacific Lutheran beating Whitman by five. Whitman will fall from 16th just a little bit. NYU lost to Chicago, but then beat Wash U. It's a good win for NYU. I, I would argue that's the first good win NYU's had all season, though that's also a down Wash U team. Let's not sugarcoat that too much, but Chicago got the win. Mount Union uh, lost to Marietta, which we mentioned earlier in the week, but then beat uh, Otterbein, 94-61. And Tufts lost to Wesleyan, which we talked about earlier in the week. Oh, I'm sorry, no, not earlier in the week. That was this weekend. They lost to Wesleyan by one, beat Conn College by two. The rest of the top 25, pretty quiet. Carroll lost to St. Norbert earlier in the week, which we mentioned. Whitewater lost yet again to Eau Claire. I mean, this time to Eau Claire. MIT lost to Emerson. That's a surprise. Babson, again, was supposed to play... Uh, or lost to MIT, then uh, had their Coast Guard game um, delayed, but then won that one. Wash U had a bad weekend, lost to Brandeis and NYU. I think the I think the voters may be finally ditching N- uh, Wash U a little bit here. They're 10-6. and six. Plattsburgh lost to Brockport State. They went 2-1 and one on the week. Tryon lost to Alma earlier in the week in a crazy game, which we talked about, but came back to barely get past Olivet. 
55-54. Voters may not like that too much. Oyana uh, lost to Buffalo State and then beat Fredonia State. Bethel lost to Concordia Moorhead. Hampton Sydney lost to Randolph. St. John Fisher lost to Hartwick. Eastern Connecticut lost to St. Maine or Southern Maine, and, and River Falls lost to Platteville. That all happened on the men's side in receiving votes. Women had more losses this week than the men did in the top 25. WashU lost to NYU 66-64. Let's be honest, that was an 8-9 game. One of them had to lose, right? WashU went 1-1 one one on the weekend, beating Brandeis and, and losing to NYU, while NYU beat Chicago handily and then beat WashU. Ohio Northern lost to Capital. That'll be interesting. It's a number 11 v. number 17 game. Capitals had a, an up-and-down type of season for a team that's pretty good. They're, uh, but that's only their second. Or, uh, Capitals had 15 wins and two losses now. Ohio Northern now with three losses. And I mean, Capital up and down. They've been kind of yo-yoing in the top 25. Whitewater earlier in the week lost to Oshkosh, but then beat Eau Claire. Calvin, which we mentioned, got thumped by Hope early in the season, or early in the week, came back and thumped Kalamazoo, 76-44. No surprise there. River Falls, who lost to Stevens Point, at least made up for it by beating Platteville. Carnegie Mellon would love to get the weekend back. We talked to them on Thursday. They lost to Emory on the road, 63-52, and then lost to Rochester, 75-52. You can bet Carnegie Mellon was hoping to come out of the weekend 1-1, one one, but instead go 0-2, and, and they're 13-3 on the season. Whitman lost to Puget Sound, and Rowan, we mentioned earlier in the season, uh, or earlier in the week, lost to Stockton, and then had their games on Saturday postponed. Lots of postponements, to say the least. Those receiving votes, Wartburg lost, Luther lost, Kowloon lost, Moravian lost, though to number six, Scranton. Bowdoin lost, Con College lost, Canadian State lost, and Stevens lost. In a lot of these games, again, may not indicate a postponement. The only way Daryl catches a postponement if it's clearly marked. Sometimes the way our system works, postponement, just literally they move the game, and you just didn't realize it was postponed in the first place if it disappears off the record to begin with. You have questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. Try and answer some of your questions as possible. You can have a chat room in the YouTube page. We try to monitor, but to be honest with you, that is a tougher one to monitor, but we'll do our best. Uh, let's talk about coaches who are going to be on the show tonight. Got a long list, as it were. It's going to start off. We're going to uh, go up to the Northeast, apropos of the storm. Talk to Cherise Galasso from WPI. Team has only lost one game on the season on a 14-game winning streak, if memory serves, maybe 13. Talk to her about her women's squad up there in the Northeast. Talk women's basketball with Rowan. Rowan, the team that lost to Stockton and didn't get a chance to make up for it on Saturday, kind of itching to go after, the, after a tough loss to Stockton. We'll talk to Gabby Lasella coming up here. On Hoopsville. Then we'll head to the WBCA center court and talk to Chris Huffman, DePaul women's basketball coach. Talk about more than just the game with her. We'll talk about what she does off the court, especially what she does with the WBCA as well, but other things that she has started as well. Then we'll switch into men's basketball. We'll talk to, we'll head out to Chicago, talk to Mike McGrath of the Maroons, the head coach there, number 12 ranked, had a good weekend on top of the, of the UAA currently. We'll talk to him about how his team's looking. And then Burt West of East Texas Baptist will join us. We'll head down to Texas one more time. We wanted to go out somewhere else in the South, but the game schedules just didn't allow it. We'll go out to Texas one more time, talk to Burt West from East Texas Baptist. Come up here on Hoopsville. Reminder, Thursday is our marathon show. We'll be working hard the next few days to put that show together. Lots of guests in the 12 hours. 
that will be on the air. You can pretty much guess. We can probably have about 36 guests, if not more, give or take, we should say, on the show. We will be working very, 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 very hard on that in the coming days. Maybe some surprise guests as well. Nothing's confirmed. As of yet, we are doing our best to, to solidify those guests, and we will do so as soon as possible. If you have any questions for us, email us. Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Also join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Tweet us at, uh, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. We'd love to hear from you uh, during this show. And in a few minutes, we'll head out to the Northeast and go up to Worcester, Mass. to talk to the WPI women's basketball team, a team that's certainly having a good season. But if you have guest ideas, we'd love to hear from you. Please let us know what your ideas are, and we will do our best to get those uh, guests on the show if we agree with you, if we think, you know, that is a good guest and somebody we should have on the show. Uh, we will do our best to uh, to accommodate that request as well. Just tweet us, email us, even mention us on Facebook. will work for us as well. Uh, I mean, it's, we're, what, five weeks away from the end of the basketball season, regular season, and we'll be talking about um, selections. So we still have a lot of basketball to go, but time is certainly running out. At the same time, we will be uh, we will be talking um, uh, regional rankings here in a couple of weeks. Those regional rankings certainly will 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 mean a lot to a lot of people. It'll also maybe frustrate people as they finally get a real sense of where they stand with SOSs and results versus regionally ranked opponents. Granted, the first regional ranked opponent won't matter; they don't have it in the first week. We can talk about those details as we get further down the road, but it's something to keep in mind as we get further down the road that you know a lot of these SOS numbers and, and results versus region ranked opponents start to mount up and start to count up and start to become more important numbers, and we will be certainly diving into a lot of that as we get further down the road. By the way, hats off to New Paltz men's basketball. Got a win on a tough season for them. Remember, New Paltz had the weekend or had a... Uh, a horrible car accident earlier in the season where three players were involved. Two of them are back playing. One of them, though, is not. He is fighting to get back on the basketball court. They've had a rough go of it. They beat Buffalo State in a big game. And from everything I heard, celebrated in the best respectable way possible. We made sure to get back to their locker room before they hoop hooped and hollered. Got to give them to them, though. doesn't matter when they hooped and hollered. They certainly deserved it. Another interesting story. Give me a moment here. I want to look it up first because I cannot remember where it is. Um, there we go. Remember we did the story about the Geneseo women's basketball team on Thursday and the loss of one of their players. They went and played this weekend. They went and played Potsdam. And to quote them off their Facebook page, it's not a coincidence that we held Potsdam to 32 points. You remember Kelsey's number was 32. And it's not a coincidence that the shots on goal at the Geneseo Ice Knights, which is the men's hockey team, came at one point uh, in the game at one point was 32-23. That's Kelsey's number at 32. That's Matt's number at 23. And that their total shot differential was 23, which is Matt's number. Little signs remind us of Kelsey and Matt. Of course, it comes with a picture of her jersey with a net on it on the seat. Hats off to Geneseo, who's doing their best to handle that the best way possible. Again, thank you to Scott Hemmer for coming on the show. Appreciate him taking the time on Thursday. Going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to start our interviews, and we'll be talking to um, – the we'll head up to the Northeast and talk to the women's basketball coach at WPI. If you have questions for her or anybody else, 
Make sure you tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Plenty more Hoopsville ahead. Like I said, we'll be back after this here on Hoopsville. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. We've got more. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All scrolling at the bottom of your screen. I'm Dave McHugh. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Uh, update on that um, McDaniel, Franklin, and Marshall time frame. We told you one of many games that have been postponed and making up. Uh, they're going to play on Monday, 6 and 8 o'clock at FNM. Again, Catholic and Drew playing tomorrow, 3 and 5 o'clock at Goucher. And there's lots of other games out there. If you want to know who's playing and when, the easiest is always go to d3hoops.com and see what's scheduled every day. We just don't have all the information as to all the postponements and what they're doing with them. Um, but we'll keep track of uh, everything we can and hopefully get you updates when we can. I think it was kind of funny that we're dealing with a blizzard. I picked out a few guests that certainly can deal with winter snow in some way, shape, or form. Not all of them, but most of them, because they all come from a bit of a, of a cold weather uh, region. Of course, last year, the Boston area, really Boston West and then North and East, all got hammered with some big storms. And I figured our first guest would appreciate what we're going through or maybe even be laughing at us. Because three feet to them is probably nothing in the grand scheme of things. But it also gives us a chance to talk about her team. 
They've been on a roll at WPI in women's basketball. 16-1 and overall. Winners of 14 straight. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their women's head coach, Sharice Galasso. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm sure you're laughing at just the measly three feet that we've received here in the Baltimore, D.C. region. (laughs) Well, we can definitely appreciate and sympathize with you, uh, after all the snow we've had the last couple of, couple of winters. But uh, we were happy to miss this one. Sorry you got it, but uh, glad you are able to dig yourself out. Yeah, so far. Uh, still waiting for the plow to show up. But Ouch. plenty of food, and, and if anybody hears the, the noise of kids outside or upstairs or something, they can understand that they, they're a little bit cabin-fevered themselves, and keeping them quiet is a little bit harder than usual. But not keeping quiet are your engineer squad, Coach. As I said, 14 straight games here. You just beat... Clark here this weekend, 63-57. Got a game coming up against Mount Holyoke, obviously. But you guys have been on a roll here as of late. This is a team that seems to be quietly getting it done. Yeah, um, you know, we, we did have a, a tough one yesterday. Our crosstown rival in Clark gave us a great uh, game and, and uh, always does. It's quite a rivalry. We've, uh, we're pretty pleased with the progress that we've been making. And uh, you know, we've just been finding ways to win. It uh, hasn't always been pretty, but we'll take it. And um, really focusing a lot on our defense. I think that's really been a, a key to our success this season. But uh, the team has really come together and you know, really impressed with how, how they were able to come together so quickly this year. Okay, so Again, 14 games winning streak. You're sitting in a conference that has certainly had some respect over the years uh, in the NUMAC. And, of course, in the NUMAC you have a, a half-game lead right now on MIT and Babson. Uh, Springfield and Coast Guard are back there as well. Are you a little surprised that you're not getting as much attention nationally as you as you would be with this record? No, I don't. I don't think we're surprised. Um, actually, we're not really paying too much attention to that. It is a very tough league, and I think you've had some teams that you know, Babson, for example, who has really kind of stood out, uh, rightly so, uh, you know, over the past five, six years, um, and really represented our conference well. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to have to earn that respect, and we're okay with that. You know, we're just quietly going about our business day after day and, uh, you know, see where that see where it plays out for us. Sure. Um, the squad, again, 14-game winning streak. The last time you lost, the only time you lost, was back, back against Mass Dartmouth on November 18th. Um, you had played your opening weekend against Becker and Clark at a tournament at Becker and won those, and you took the loss to – Mass Dartmouth, and you guys have won ever since. Is that Mass Dartmouth almost that game almost a, a distant memory now? Um, yeah, I think it actually was a little bit of a turning point for us. You know, that's a we went to double overtime last year. Overtime this year with them, it's always been a battle. Great team. Um, so we went down there. You know, on a Wednesday night, I ended up getting there late. Uh, there was bad weather, a little bit of adversity. Got off to a really poor start. We were down nine nothing, twelve nothing, and then battled all the way back. Um, had a had a player on the line with six seconds, mm. game tied, and had that chance to win. Went to overtime and lost by two. So, I think we realized at that point that we could overcome. Uh, that we were never really out of going to be out of a game. That we were going to battle, and I think that really gave the kids confidence moving forward from there. And so far, they just haven't really looked back. No, I certainly haven't looked back. They continue to roll along. You talk about defense. It's, a lot of these scores are pretty impressive. You, you know, 40s or low 50s, uh, some, some, a couple 30s in there. There's even a 19 against a Fitchburg State. Uh, you just don't give up a lot of points. I think the Clark game might be the since the beginning of the season the most points you've given up in 57. 
Um, the, obviously, you lost it to Mass Dartmouth, allowing 67. So not counting that one loss, you've only allowed 57 points at the very most in games. Certainly, defense has got to be clicking for that to work. I would say so, and, and that has kind of been a, a hallmark of our program over the years. Um, actually, our league is yeah. very uh, strong defensively. Uh, traditionally and you know well the co- well coached our league well scouted people put a lot of effort and time in and I think um, you know like I said we've relied a lot on that we take a lot of pride in our defense and I and I, I think every coach does but you you know you're gonna have those nights where the shots just don't fall and you know if you can rely on that and you feel confident and you have you know schemes that you believe in or you can get your kids to believe in you have a chance so you know our, t- our kids have done a great job of buying into the system focusing on the process and really executing the game plan, you know, day after day. Well, I mean, you're only allowing 43 points a game. You're scoring 60 and a half. Of course, that's not a lot of scoring, but you don't have to score a lot if your defense is only allowing 43 points a game. So certainly, you don't have to focus on the offense. And if you look at the the, the lineup. You got four seniors. Um, a handful of them are, are certainly contributing at the top. But you only have one player in double figures. 12 points for uh, Emma Biney. Uh, a sophomore, she also has five and a half rebounds a game. Priscilla Dunphy, a junior, 8.1 points a game. Then a senior, and Lisa uh, Mendez at 7.2 points a game. Not a lot of double scoring, but you don't need the double scores because you score so little. How hard is that, do you think, for defenses to then key on? Do they, do, does, do they understand who the best players are on the court? I think the difference for us this year is the fact that we're not looking for one or two kids to get it done for us day in and day out and, and then relying on our defense. Um, it has been different kids, different days for us. We have a lot of depth. We play 10 to 12 a game. Um, and you know, when we're healthy and, um, and certainly the depth has helped with that. So we're, we're very balanced. A lot of the younger players have stepped up into bigger roles this year. And, um, you know, like they've made some huge contributions. In fact, Madison Beck had a huge end of the game yesterday where she finished the game off for us. Um, so it's, I think the nice part is that we can always find someone that's going to be able to make a play and people can't really just key, you know, on a couple of kids. Um, that also poses, you know, a, a challenge as a coach when you're trying to figure out which, which group to go with. But we really, as a staff, embrace that as kind of a fun challenge. And, uh, <laughs> And I'd rather have that than, than the opposite. So yeah, it's, it, it's been fun. It certainly makes sense. Talking to Sharice uh, Galasso here of the uh, WPI uh, women's basketball team, the engineer, 16-1 overall, 8-0 in this conference, Coach. And uh, I want to talk about the conference in a minute, but back to this team. Again, four seniors on it, a lot of players. You certainly have a lot of experience in those seniors, but again, it's underclassmen who seem to run the roost a little bit here. Is this a, a turning point with this program where – uh, the future is looking very bright. Um, I, I think that we were, you know, we're, we're excited about the underclassmen. You know, when they came in, you know, we really, we knew that they were a special group, uh, that they could really make an impact. But I have to give a lot of credit to the upperclassmen. Um, they've done a fantastic job of setting the tone, um, teaching them the system, you know, really being great role models and leaders. And I think that it's really been them that's guided the younger kids and allowed them to kind of play their style, um, you know, within the system that we're utilizing. So, yeah, I think that there is some, some great talent, um, but I, I, the, the upperclassmen really have been, you know, the rock of the team this year. Now, what's the secret weapon on this team? I mean, not li- literally, but I mean, what's, what's been the, 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 the catalyst that has gotten you guys to the, I mean, you've gotten more wins this season than you had since, 
2010-11 season already, and we've got five weeks left in it. You won 19 that year, and you had a couple 21 seasons prior to that. What's What's been the secret here that's blown out uh, the previous seasons here uh, already? Um, I'm not sure that there's really a secret. You know, we're still doing a lot of what we've always done. I think it's a, a great mix of different types of players that we can – plug in depending on what we need on any given night um you know kind of like i was just mentioning certainly relying on the defense um but we really this team what's great about them is that they get excited for each other they're not they're a very unselfish group um you know, i've had teams that really liked each other got along it's not necessary to win certainly makes the job easier on a daily basis but they have fun with each other they have fun with playing and they're really competitive and you know, as I said, if, if someone goes in and, you know, maybe plays more than someone else has been, has a great game, the kids really rally around that person. And uh, I think that's what's special about this group. And it's really it, it's just the energy, the excitement, the passion. Um, you know, that's, that's been a real great thing for us this year. Uh, talking to uh, Cherise Galasso here from WPI, the passion certainly will help when you have a squad um, that, that's on this kind of run. How do you keep them focused, though, on, on what's ahead of you versus the fact that you're on a 14-game winning streak? Yeah, we've talked a lot about sustainability and you know, being able to, to maintain that, not, not kind of being distracted by other things or, or anything that's being said or not said. Um, there, we, we watched this video by Brian Kane, who's a sports psychologist, um, and it, it was about 200 feet, just focused on the next 200 feet we tried to do a lot of that, a lot of discussions about staying in the moment. Um, you know, I think that's a challenge. Um, you know, we, we have really the, our biggest tests coming up um, as we face these next few weeks of the season. And, um, you know, so hopefully we've been able to, to maintain and continue to get better and improve. I don't know that we feel we've played our best basketball yet. So if we can keep improving every day, um, you know, we want to learn how to compete at a higher level, and uh, I think that's the ultimate goal. And you close out a three-game road trip here coming up with Mount Holyoke um, later this week, uh, and then you'll play MIT at home, Smith on the road, and Springfield at home. Those are your next uh, four games, certainly some tests in there. Babson is still lurking beyond that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you look at the conference record right now. MIT is going to be the big game. Babson's going to be a big game. Springfield's going to be a big game. Mm-hmm. Certainly, a lot in front of you. Um, I know it's one game at a time, and but how do you keep them from overlooking Mount Holyoke? Um, I think the upperclassmen have learned over the years, and they've <laughs> seen what's happened in this league. They've seen, you know, on paper the number ten team take out an upper team, and yeah. they know, and they've really cautioned the younger kids about it. Um, so they get it about this league. Uh, any given night, anybody, any day, you know, can can take an, another team out. So um, I think that's not. I'm not as worried about that for us. Um, you know, I think that they understand that for sure. Um, it's uh, the, the new Mac again has been this interesting beast. You've had some good squads over the years, um, teams that have certainly given people fits. The Springfields, the Wheaton of Masses has even come to the occasion. Coast Guard always seems to make a nice run at the end of a season, Babson, uh-huh. et cetera. You guys have kind of been always kind of in the middle of everything. Um, what's it like to be on top? Well, we had some years where we were we were on top. The yeah, of the but in the last five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, 
It's fun, but again, it's early. Um, <laughs> I don't think we. Should, I mean, it's not early, but it is early yeah, still with our league and what we've got ahead of us. I don't think we can get too excited. I mean, we're enjoying it. We're happy and pleased, but um, you know, we've got to prove to nobody but ourselves, um, you know, that that we can continue this and that it's not just a, a streak or a you know a one-time thing. So. Um, you know, we're just going to stick to business as usual and keep plugging away day after day. Um, but, I, but I know the kids are, you know, they were proud of the work they put in. I'm proud of them. And I'm really happy for the, this group of kids. They're one, pretty special. One of the things that jumped out at me was the fact that as an undergrad, uh, you played at uh, Rochester in the UAA, obviously. Uh, played basketball and soccer, which is impressive in the, in the, in the, just in the short term of it. But the fact that you had a long soccer season, usually almost every single season, including a national championship while you were there, uh, meant you were getting into basketball just a little bit late. What was it like to be uh, a two-star athlete uh, in college? And, and furthermore, have you been able to use any of that or be able to still remember any of that to be able to relate to the student-athletes of this, this time and age? Uh, yeah, I had a great experience. I was lucky. I had great coaches, great teammates. You know, winning that national championship was was unbelievable. Um, and it, it, I still can remember some of it, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. It was a ways away, but you know, I think trying to balance all that, playing two sports, you know, at a school like Rochester, um, certainly, you know, I learned a lot. And it's one of the reasons I I wanted to stay at Division Three. I liked Division Three. Uh, I had such a great, amazing experience, um, and so I really enjoyed, uh, you know, being a part of my players' experience at this level and, and having basketball mean something to them as they as they go through their college journey. Um, but uh, I'm not sure I have too much other wisdom to impart for them on that as far as my experience, but just learning how to, you know, how to battle through everything. So they're going to face adversity, and sure. I think athletics teaches you a lot about that. Um, the men's team has certainly had its attention over the last few years, 21 seasons for as long as anybody can remember, certainly some memorable yep. runs. They're 15-2 and two this season. Now you're 16-1 and one this season. That's got to be creating a little bit of buzz there in Worcester. It is. You know, the men have, I mean, Coach Bartley has done a, a great job. We're good friends, and, uh, you know, we watch each other's practices, help each other out. It's been a nice uh, nice uh, relationship there. So. They're they're uh, excited for us and always been very supportive. So, but I think that um, you know I think it's nice for our women to have that same level of uh, you know uh, excitement going on around our program too. So, but it, it's a it's a great relationship. Completely agree with you. You should get a burger named after you though. Have you talked to him, <laughs> Coach Bartley? Yeah. Have you talked to Coach Bartley <laughs> about this? Happen. No. What's that? It's not going to happen. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's disappointing. No, nah, you got you've got to really do something special. But, but your name's it. perfect for it, the Golasso. I mean. The colossal Galasso, yeah, yes. you could make something with that. I think it could be awesome. <laughs> I this coming from a guy who's still yet to eat at the cottage, so uh, someday. Uh, well, coach, I really appreciate. I got to get up there and do it, uh, coach. I appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you taking the time to do so. Uh, as always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, no, thank you so much for having me and uh, for taking this time and, and for what you do for D3 Hoops. Uh, we all really sincerely appreciate that. And I have to say hello to my mom and dad, as I always do at the end of my uh, interviews. So, hi, mom and dad. Love you. Perfect. Perfectly done, Coach. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Take care. 
Uh, Sharice Galasso joining us here on Hoops with the Engineers. 14 straight, 16 and 1 overall, 8 and 0 in the new Mac. Half game lead on MIT and Babson, who are 8 and 1. They got Holyoke coming up here uh, on the road. Holyoke may be undefeated, but you got to watch out for Mount Holyoke. And then MIT at home, then back on the road for Smith, then home for Springfield and Babson. So some big games coming up in the next five, with five weeks left to go in the regular season. Certainly worth watching the Engineers, both in men and women's basketball. Um, Team certainly playing pretty darn well. Going to take another break. When we come back, we will uh, continue with the women's basketball. We'll slide down the East Coast into New Jersey, talk to a team who's had to deal with some adversity there as well with the weather, losing some games, how do they adjust, etc. after coming off a pretty tough loss. We'll talk Rowan women's basketball coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Um, if you have any questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Um, and join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I know sports. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you have, hope you're enjoying the show. You're watching Hoopsville. We're by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Keeping with the women's basketball theme here tonight and talking about some of the best of the best, but at the same time, we've been talking a little bit about the weather and how it's affected things as well, and that's no exception for the team we're about to talk to. They've had a few of their games delayed, had more snow than they, I think they are anticipating, or at least they were about two days beforehand in New Jersey. I can appreciate that, though I think they had a bullseye on our area the whole darn time. However, 
Rowan has been a pretty darn darn good basketball team, 15 and 2 overall, started the season on a tear, lost to Cabrini by a couple right before the new year on on New Year's Eve to be exact at a tournament at Cabrini. And then uh got unfortunately uh thanked to for going all the way down to Stockton to play basketball uh earlier this week with an 85-53 loss. Well, they were itching to get going and play Ramapo this weekend. That didn't happen. Now it's been delayed until I believe it is tomorrow, the 25th, where a lot of games have been uh, scheduled to, thanks in part, the school isn't necessarily in session for a lot of these colleges and has been delayed even further by the weather. So they got to wait to go to Ramapo on tomorrow, which is a game that should have been played on Saturday, but the weather held it off. And you know, if you're the head coach, you probably got these team, you got to rain, rain them in a little bit. So we go to the Hoopsville hotline. Joining us there is Rowan's head coach, Gabby Lasella. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you, Dave. Your team's got to be itching a little bit here. I mean, the tough loss to Stockton to start with, then a game that's supposed to be played on Saturday, and then it's getting postponed and moved off. I and Knowing a good team who takes a bad loss, they want to get back on the court. Well, you certainly want to be able to put that one behind you quickly, but I, I have to say the group we have all year has been able to, to just take things in stride. You know, whatever comes up, they just handle. They don't get too far past themselves, and, and they don't look over their shoulder a whole lot either. So, um, you know, this group is mature enough to handle it. And, uh, you know, they look good in the gym today when, when we got in to get some shots up and go over some things. I was going to say, is it, how hard is it to even get in and, and schedule, uh, get practice in? Um, I mean, a lot of the New Jersey schools tend to be a little bit more commuted friendly than it is on campus friendly. You, you got players who try to dig themselves out, I'm sure. Well, we um – even the kids who are, are coming in from the area live fairly close. Uh, I think I think just the the older kids are the are the ones that had to drive in from where they were. So you know we we went in at noontime. By that time they were able to get the campus clear and and you know so we had no problems going in at that point. Me snow blowing my myself out was probably more work than they all had to do. <laughs> I hope you task that to somebody else. No, no, no. Oh, coach, come on. That's where you literally, as a coach, you go, somebody <laughs> else, come do this for me. Um, listen, the team got off to a roaring start uh, to start this year um, before running into Cabrini. Uh, obviously a good Cabrini squad down from last year, but still a good Cabrini squad. Yeah, I mean, you took mm-hmm. off this season and got rolling. The loss to Cabrini certainly stung, but then you went and recovered by winning against Montclair State at their mm-hmm. place. That had to tell you that this team was special because that's a tough recovery. You lose your first game of the season after starting so well. You then go up against the, you know, the reigning conference, whatever's you want to call them over the last few years and beat them at their place. That's a great sign. Well, again, it, it's about this group's ability to really keep focused on what's right in front of them. And, you know, we certainly didn't necessarily finish the game at Cabrini the way we wanted to, but, uh, you know, came in and played very focused game. I think probably we played one of our better games of the year up at Montclair. Well, certainly. I mean, 68-64 on, on the road. It's not an easy place to win. They've been no, they've, they've had not. a very good season or a very career there at their place. But that's the other part of this story is Montclair is in third place in this conference. You guys are in first. Stockton is in second. Obviously, Stockton made it to the NCAA tournament last year. The conference isn't on its head necessarily, but it's certainly – kind of playing out differently than it has the last few years? Well, I'll say that pretty consistently teams come in and battle every night in the end, Jack. And and so even when a team is down, you need to still show up and play. And and, uh, over the years for 
for certain. Uh, you know, teams maybe even in the bottom half have stunned some of those teams that have been on a roll. So it's a physical battle. Every time we step on the court, you can't look past anybody. So, uh, you know, I think that where we are, um, you know, as, as far as some teams maybe getting upset early and, and stuff wasn't a big surprise to the people in our conference anyway. Um, is this a, is this a season you were expecting? I mean, you look at your roster, obviously every coach kind of goes, Hey, you know what we can, let, you know, I know a lot of coaches look at their out of conference, go, listen, if we play the way we are, we could be five and two. And then we enter conference play. And I think we could be at the top. And when you did that mapping yourself, did you expect you to be sitting at 15 and two at this point in the season? Well, I don't really look at it for the numbers. I, you know, we're in essence, you know, a couple kids here and there, but in essence, we're the same t- team that we were two years ago. And two years ago, you know, I'm looking at these games, and if I could t- take a minute or two out of each of our games, then we're winning 10 more games. So, you know, when you have those same kids who are who have played together, um, there's a maturity there. Uh, you know, we came in and we had a great start last year and, and you know, stumbled a little bit. So they were hungry coming into it. And add to the add to the case, We've got three graduate students that yeah. that certainly bring us a lot of maturity. I was going to say, that's an interesting choice. Thank you for that transition, because you do have these graduate students. And listen, I'm used to uh, the, the the transfer situation in, in the NJAC, especially on the men's side. We always give Chuck McBreen a hard time at Vegas, because he always has half a different roster than I prepped when he shows up. But you have these graduate students that takes on a whole nother level. You do have this experience that is coming in, not to mention the fact they're taking a whole different set of classes than everybody right. else. And that's a different adjustment in, in general. How, how is that dynamic work? Well, first of all, we have a lot of early morning practices now uh, <laughs> just, just because, you know, these, these kids are taking night classes and yeah. they're trying to fit a, fit a time in. So, you know, we, we know how to be up and in the gym at five thirty in the morning Whew. and, you know, that, that says something also about this group. But, you know, a lot of kids, you may have kids who decide not to play just because of that. Sure. But these kids have bought into it. They they enjoy it. Um, you know, and they they are ready to work at 530 in the morning. So, you know, again, it just goes to the mindset that whatever's going to come up, they're going to find a way to deal with. But, you know... A lot of kids maybe have, you, you know, different teams may have fifth-year players, but I think it says a lot about the character and the focus, um, the ambition of our team that these kids graduated on time and they're now in grad school and using that that last year of eligibility. Which is certainly a YD3 thing. It's terrific that they're getting that chance. And Solstrom is the leader here, Caitlin Solstrom. She's one of those graduate students, 16 points a game nearly five rebounds a game. Kate Matthews, another grad student at 11 points a game and 12 rebounds a game. It's not often you see somebody have more rebounds than points in a game. She's one of them. Um, and then uh, it was an Anissa Sanchez, 10 and a half points a game. Melissa Lake, nine points a game. Of course, both of them bring down some good rebounds. Sanchez at nearly five and Lake at about six and a half. Uh, assists per game at Solstrom at three. Matthews, two and a half. Uh, we should mention, uh, is it Valerie Garofalo? Uh, Garofalo. Mm-hmm. Four points or four assists a game. So obviously you have a lot of people who not only can get you points, you got three of them in double figures. You got plenty of people who can get you rebounds despite the fact you have somebody averaging 12. And you got three, four, five people who can hand out assists too. It's a nice, mm-hmm. ba- that's a nice balance. It is. And, I, and again, I think it goes back to the way we play. You know, we solidly play nine players a game. 
um, you know, we started that really last year where we really wanted to just everyone buy into, you know what, you're going to play about 20 minutes game. There's going to be 10 of you that do that. And understanding that, you know, on any given night, it's going to be somebody else's turn to maybe step up and be the leader in, in different ways. So they've all bought into that. Again, it, it takes a special kind of player that, you know, you don't have to be the guy. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. it, just to be ready to come in and give the team what it needs on, you know, if, we, if we're playing this certain opponent who's big inside, Kate Matthews isn't going to necessarily be the leading scorer. And, and, you know, we try and get her to kick the ball out and take advantage of our perimeter. Uh, we run the floor very well. Uh, we use a lot of pressure defense. Um, we get a lot of attempts, and our games are high scoring. Um, you know, other teams may be scoring a lot too, but to keep up the pace that we want to play at, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of shots going up in our games. Uh, it's interesting. At five thirty in the morning, you got graduate students on there. You're talking about all these different things. You're right. The team has to buy in on, and you will know quickly if they don't. And when you have a record like fifteen and two, certainly indicates they're buying in. But the the question, you know, the real question I've gotten is this Stockton game. I mean, that's a tough loss, eighty five fifty three. Uh, for anybody who who looks on that from the outside in at a box score, just thinks the rails, the wheels came off the rail. Uh, that things just went completely haywire. How do you recover from that and get them focused on the next one without that being a real devastating loss for a squad to take? Well, you, you look beyond the score, you know, right. and, and if you look at the box score, we took 25 more shots than Stockton did. Um, you know, we got them to turn the ball over 23 times. We had, I think, 27 offensive rebounds. So we did a lot of good things. Yeah. Unfortunately, we couldn't hit the ocean. <laughs> um, you know, we, we shot 10%, I think, from three-point range, yeah. and, and I think 23%. So, you know, we're looking at it. If we shoot our averages, we're probably winning that game. So, you know, you just, you just when you have – we just went in the gym saying, well – we all know everyone's going to have a bad shooting night. Hopefully everybody got it out of their system in that one game. <laughs> um, you know, and that takes nothing away from Stockton. They certainly no. have shot blockers that can impact the way that you shoot the ball and, and everything else. But, um, you know, you, again, it's it's next game. It's done. And, and we're moving on to who we have right next in front of us. The two of the next three games, like three of the next four games, are going to feature teams kind of near in the bottom third of the of the conference. Uh, you'll face Ramapo, then you'll face Rutgers Camden, who's in the upper third. We should mention they're tied for third in the conference. And then it's um, uh, New Jersey City and then College in New Jersey. So you've got this little phase here you're going to go through where you got it. You, you got games you have to win because you have to win them, and you should win them. But obviously the backside of that is you're going to go right into the top, top of the conference. Is this a perfect time to maybe uh, get – players rested who need to get rested while still accomplishing the goal of, of making sure you win these games? Um, I don't know that it's about rested as much as really us really keying in on some areas that we want to improve on. Sure. Um, you know, again, we, we go pretty deep into our bench. So, um, yep. you know, we're, we're just going to be who we are. And, you know, we're not going to really change things up again. I, I constantly remind them every every game in the end jack is a battle and you have to pay attention or someone's going to sneak up and steal one from you. So, um, you know, whether we don't worry about what a team's record is, we, we really look at coming in and trying to play the best game that we can play and, and be who and what we are. And if we can dictate the terms of the games and, and play the way we want to play, we believe we're going to be successful. 
Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Coach. This is a fascinating conference. Uh, you know, we've been used to Montclair State being at the top, and then Stockton kind of emerged last year. Uh, surprised a few people by making the NCAA tournament, and now your guys are leading there. Stockton's in the mix. Montclair State's in the mix. There's some other teams who are kind of positioning themselves as well. It looks like it's going to be a fascinating race all the way to the end. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, well, first of all, Dave, I, I appreciate you guys really supporting Division Three basketball the way you are. And you really are the only one of the only places to just stay on top of everything that's going on in Division Three. So we check out your site all the time and, and appreciate your efforts. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. And, and, and find someone to dig you out, would you please? <laughs> That's... Well, I didn't have to, I didn't have to use a shovel. The snowblower is a, a blessing. Well, the snowblower, you're good. I don't have one. I have too small a house. But uh, at least you got one that's a smart purchase right there. In that case, enjoy. Those are fun to use. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> All right, Coach. Take care. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Coach uh, Lasella joining us here on the show again. Fifteen and two on uh, overall, nine and one in conference play. They will take on Ramapo in the game. They're supposed to play Saturday. They'll play them tomorrow on the road then home against Rutgers-Newark on Wednesday, then on the road against New Jersey City on Saturday. Three games this week obviously weren't scheduled to be that way, but we'll see how they do, two of them on the road. Um, barring any other weather um, that could come this week, who knows? I haven't even looked that far down the forecast, but they'll get back on the road, as it were, and back into conference play accordingly. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll go to the WBCA Center Court. We'll head out to Ohio, another place they certainly know a little bit about snow. Talk to, or I should say, Indiana. I apologize. We're heading to Indiana. Going to talk to Paul Women's Basketball with Chris Huffman. But more importantly, going to talk about what she does off the court, what she does uh, in the game of basketball that has nothing to do with her own team. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville right after this. For the love of the game. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. 
If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe student athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. I did receive an Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email, hoops, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, we've been talking women's basketball here. Coming up still, we have some men's basketball topics for you fans. We'll be talking Chicago and East Texas Baptist coming up here on the show. We've told you how you can get a hold of us. Don't uh, don't shy away from that. We want to hear from you, and we certainly would love to answer your questions if at all possible. Um, of course, we've been bearing ourselves out of feet of snow, the, the, thus the non-shaved, scruffy look for me with the glasses. Just I, I'd had enough wearing the contacts and didn't have time to shave. Uh, those of you listening on the podcast could care less. Those of you on video, this is what I look like when I haven't shaved in a few days. It's been more important to plow ourselves out. Uh, don't forget, we'll be back on the air Thursday with our marathon show starting at 10 a.m. As for our guests, you're going to have to wait and see because we're still booking them. <laughs> we haven't gotten that far in our bookings, but we hope in the next 24 hours to make a major dent in that. Of course, WBCA is a new proud partner here at at, at Hoopsville. We certainly appreciate them coming on board as, as the NABC has been on board for a number of years. Mainly the reason we can do a show despite three feet of snow in our own home studio Despite the sounds of the kids upstairs, we apologize. Cabin fever, let them go. Um, it's because of the support of the WBC, the NABC, and of course, people like you. We were hoping to have an announcement about our fundraiser here tonight. We just haven't gotten it off the ground because, again, been digging myself out of three feet of snow. Hopefully, that will be uh, taken care of soon as well, so that Thursday can be part of that. But it's because of people like you and because of the WBCA and the NABC that we can do these things along with travel as well. And, of course, WBCA coming on board, we've got to have a special segment featuring WBCA members and what they're doing outside of the basketball court. And our selection today is the uh, is a women's basketball coach at DePaul. Chris Huffman joins us here on Hoopsville. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad you're safe. Maybe stranded, but safe. Yes, uh, you've a combination of both. Uh, safe, the kids haven't gone completely nuts yet, so I'm still somewhat safe. Uh, <laughs> we certainly are safe in the house as well. Yeah, three feet of the white stuff is... Uh, listen, I love snow, but even this is a daunting storm in my book. Uh, oh. Do you guys get three-foot storms in Indiana all that often? 
Uh, I'm, I'm happy to report no. Uh, we've had a couple big storms in my time in Indiana, but nothing like that. So uh, please keep it out your way. If, if, yeah, you know what? At this point, I've got no choice. It is here. Uh, <laughs> now, granted, my family up in, in down east Maine had, are laughing at three feet. They saw 170 inches last year, including 70 in one storm. So, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they're looking at me like I've got two heads. But that's that, that, <laughs> I'm looking at them right now like they've got two heads because I'm dealing right. with this. Um <laughs> Listen, uh, we'll talk about your team in a little bit, but being that this is the WBCA center court, we get to get to talk about the coach just a little bit. And obviously you're synonymous with winning at this point in time. I'll be blunt that it's a little strange not to see you guys in the top 25 at D3hoops.com. It hasn't been the best of seasons, but this sometimes makes me think these are the seasons the coaches sometimes thrive on a little bit because it really gets you to kind of refresh yourself. You know, we've had, we have had that opportunity. It's a, it's a team I uh, really enjoy coaching. You know, when I look at this season, we have new faces on the court. We have one returning starter and only a couple kids that really have seen minutes in the past. We've got a new team on the floor and a brand-new coaching staff, and along with that, a new offense. So it is very much kind of a refreshing year for us, and I like how this team is progressing. And by the way, we should, be, we should say this. I mean, this is by your standards, 13-5 and five by your standards is an off year 13 and five there's as i said about calvin men's basketball to a few people a few weeks ago their record there's a few hundred schools who would like to have that record in that schedule there's a few hundred women's schools who would love to have your record with your schedule at 13 and five we're just so we're so used to not seeing two game losing streaks and and such like that the conference certainly seems to have gotten more competitive as well oh absolutely and and, and you could see this brewing um, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of young talent in the conference, and they've got some veteran coaches that are outstanding and work, work extremely hard. So their kids are now their juniors and their seniors, and they're really putting things together and playing well. Um, and that's certainly key. I mean, obviously, the end of the season is more important than what we're talking about technically right now um, because you can make a run here and still position yourself for an NCAA tournament. Uh, so there's a lot of basketball to be played here. But right now, Again, thirteen and five, fifteen and three overall. You're actually a game back of Denison for the top of the conference, and a game ahead of Kenyon. Of course, they're the two teams that that did you did you in recently. Denison beat you sixty three fifty four. Kenyon beat you sixty fifty three. Before you guys got back three wins with Wittenberg, Ohio Wesley, and Worcester. Interesting enough, Denison looms on Thursday. Uh, Kenyon won't be until near the end of this regular season. So you get your revenge coming up here in a big game for the top of the conference. Uh, how are you getting everybody prepared? Is this a is this a go back and look at the game that you played against them and see what you did, or is it start afresh and start new? Uh, you know, probably a little bit of both. Um, you know, it was a battle at our place when we saw Denison earlier. Uh, they're an outstanding team. You've got Sarah Lee leading the way. Um, as the, as the head coach there with a long tenure, and she's got a great team. She's got a, a guard court with some experience and some talent and some depth, and she's got Jordan Holmes in the paint, who, uh, you know, is setting a ton of records, block shots and rebounds, and she's a legit deal. Um, so we have our hands full on Wednesday when we head over to their place. We have one of our guards back um, who missed that game, our starting point guard missed that game versus Denison. We'll have her back, and we know that that will help us a little bit. Uh, but it will be a, a challenging task. So we need to learn from our mistakes from the first time around and hope to have a better outing. Uh, we'll talk more about you in just a second. I want to quickly go through the team, though. Emily Abood, uh, is it Bood or Bud? Buddy. Buddy. I like that yeah, better. Buddy. I like that better. <laughs> Emily Buddy, sophomore, leading the way, 15 points a game. 
hauling in about four rebounds a game. Maya Howard, the freshman, nine and a half points a game. Um, Abby Keller, senior, eight and a half points a game and eight rebounds a game. Claire Ryan, a junior, seven and a half points a game. Uh, Taylor Howard, five and a half points a game. So no, no huge scoring threats, but a nice mix of players there. You may have a lot of seniors in the sense of five, but you don't you don't rely on them. I seem to be saying that a lot about teams. It's the youth that seems to be driving the ship these days. Yeah, it sure seems like it. You know, you look at some kids in the conference and you think, well, aren't you a senior yet? <laughs> you know, and they're a sophomore. Because <laughs> you see a lot of them <laughs> yeah. from, the, from the tip and uh, all season long. But, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of young talent out there, and that certainly holds true in our conference as well. Um, interestingly enough, um, you know, this is you're not that far removed from what, your second national championship back in 2013. Um, there's got to be – are there any players, though, on this team who played on that squad? Well, the senior class was a part of that team. Yeah. Uh, none of them had any minutes that, you know, they watched a lot and uh, okay. from the padded chair, but they were a big <laughs> part of our preparation always. And, and um, you know, they've got great memories. And, and now they're trying to kind of regroup this team this year. Hey, listen, as a guy who was a bench player in his college career, there's nothing wrong with a cushy, cushy seat on your way to a, a championship ring sometimes. you got to do what hey, you got to do. I tell you what, if a team doesn't have those players who uh, are true practice players yeah. and game players and role players, you, you can't win. That's so absolutely We've got true. a tremendous group that way. And, you know, a couple of them that are my favorite players because they're kind of the heart and soul, but yet they don't get the reward on game day. And I couldn't respect players more that can handle that role. That's absolutely the truth. Hey, I got a question before we get into things from a viewer. Uh, he emailed us this question. said, any special prep work you have to do for Dennison's Jordan Holmes? He's a leading shock blocker in Division Three, and uh, who obviously you guys will play coming up. Unfortunately, she's the one who helped end that 96-game home conference winning streak you guys had rolling along. Uh, anything you guys got to do to focus on her? Well, you know, we tend to talk about her a lot when we, we are prepping for her, and then I think you almost – not, not paralyze the kids, but then they get in their head too much. So okay. we'll talk about her. We'll have some strategies, small strategies that we try to implement. Sure. But for the most part, most part, we'll try to be us. Um, you know, I think we, we've made some mistakes in the past by maybe uh, over-talking about a player and then our players are, are not just out there playing. That makes sense. That makes sense completely to me. Um, let's switch over to you. This is the WBCA Center Court. We get to learn a little bit more about the coaches in this, and it's one of my favorite parts. Uh, so let's talk about yourself. You're certainly involved in more than just the basketball game, but you're involved in the game itself, if that makes any sense. Uh, first and foremost, one of the things that jumped out at me, at least thanks to your SID, Bill Wagner pointed out, you started a, a basketball program called the Little Sis Program. Can, can you give everybody a sense of what that is? You know, we, for when I first arrived at DePaul, you know, what's one way you can kind of reach out to the community? And we came up with a couple of different things. And the one that's probably been my favorite is the Little Sister Program. And, and what we've done is just invited um, kids from the community to be a part, come to the games, uh, and then we pair them up with one of the players. So it's a big sister, little sister situation. And we invite them in the locker room after the games. So they get to come in and spend about five minutes with their big sister. Um, and it's neat to see those relationships kind of develop and, you know, it's a, it's a four-year thing if they get a freshman as a big sister. And it goes way beyond the basketball game. So it, it's been very, very rewarding to watch. And I know the families and the community have appreciated kind of the outreach. I was going to say it's got to be rewarding not only for you, for the, those involved, but for 
your team and for yourself. I mean, that's it's almost one of those circular things. It just keeps giving no matter how it goes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, after the game yesterday, a cute story is this this uh, little Kylie, little sister, came up to me. She said, you have to coach for 16 more years so you can be my coach. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm going to try it, Kylie. Hey, no pressure. <laughs> so it was adorable. No pressure. You've been coaching 23 so far. I mean, no pressure at all. <laughs> right, right. But that's we hope that we can, you know, get young girls involved with basketball, stay with the sports, um, or any sport for that matter. But we certainly love the sport of basketball. That's great. Um, you're obviously, obviously, uh, very much involved with the WBCA as well. You're on the ethics committee, which I find interesting. Listen, there's a lot of ways people can interpret what an ethics committee does. So I'm just going to say, what does the ethics committee do? <laughs> you know, they started this a few years back when Beth Bass was the CEO of the WBCA. And, you know, I think at the time there were coaches that were maybe frustrated with their coaching colleagues that might have been crossing the line. And so they tried to develop this a committee where we could be the, maybe the first outreach um, if something was seen to be awry in a program, and the WBC would reach out. Um, we haven't, to be honest, we haven't done a mu- much with it other than meet and brainstorm and come up with some guidelines that you're kind of agreeing to as a member. As a member, you're going to agree to be ethical and sportsmanship and on and on. So our role it has been small, uh, especially once the lawyers got in and you know working with the NBCA and seeing what. Um, other leagues are doing and uh, other organizations. So it's interesting. I think it's still developing. Um, it's, let me ask you this. What's the need for an ethics-type committee? And you kind of talk about it crossing the line, but is this one of those things where there's a meeting and everyone kind of sits around and goes, you know what, we, we, th- these are things we don't endorse, and we need coaches to understand that. And do you guys put – will you put sanctions in play? I mean, what kind? what is this? Or is it more about – we want to show you the right way more than punish those who don't go the right way. Yeah. You know, it really wasn't about punishment. Part of what we talked about was education. Gotcha. And how can we educate people about, you know, even the NCAA rules, it was some young coaches perhaps making some mistakes along the way where they didn't even know Hmm. um, the mistakes they were making. And so it's one of an education piece. Maybe some of the uh, older coaches can reach out and, and, to the younger coaches in the league. So that's kind of how we approach it from a Division three standpoint. Division one, I think, had a, a different set of circumstances. You know, part of what they wanted to talk about was, um, you know, the handlers that the, their top prospects have to work through and that they have to work through as when they're trying to recruit them. So two very, very different games in that sense of what we, what we felt like that ethics committee could approach. Interesting. Uh, obviously, you've worked also with the WBCA and on, on, on part of the board of directors. You've worked on the Division Three Women's Basketball Regional Advisory Committee. What's it mean to you to stay that involved in the on on the off court involvement of things or the betterment of the game? What why so involved? What does it mean to you? Boy, you know it's it's been my life. You know, from growing up as a youngster in in the state of Iowa, where basketball was pretty darn big, um, <laughs> and and you know now it uh, allows me to to have a job that doesn't seem like a job. Mm. So growing the game, really, it, it's important to kind of pass that torch. I hope more young women will stay involved in coaching um, and, and from what I hear, officiating uh, yeah. needed there as well. Sure. Um, but the WBCA, uh, I've been impressed with my involvement there. They do, they've done a great job of reaching out to the coaches across all age groups and saying, what do you need from us and how can we help you? 
So they're educating, they're providing programming. They linked us, and I think that's the biggest thing I saw during my time on the board of directors, has linked us more with the NCAA. So it wasn't, you know, coaches on one side of the room and NCAA on the other, but really brought the two organizations together. So we're working in unison. Um, fascinating point. And then the other thing you do, too, is you've worked with the, the USA Basketball Women's Under-18 team a few years back. What's it mean to get involved in, in the Team USA section of things? Well, that, that was a really fun experience to go out to Colorado Springs and spend a few days out there with USA Basketball. And Carol Callen and, and her staff out there were just a, a ton of fun to work with. And, you know, you're watching them kind of build the – you know, the teams and the national teams of the future. And so they work hard at it. You know, they're scouring the nation for the best talent and bringing them in and, you know, putting through some through tough workouts and kind of selecting those teams that will go on. So it was, it was a tremendous process for me to be involved with and the coaches. So, you know, again, a ton of fun just through the sport of basketball for me. Certainly keeping yourself busy. You mentioned uh, being uh, from uh, from Iowa. Obviously, you're also in the Iowa Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, having played at Northern Iowa. Um, and you've had some uh, 16 NCAA championship of tournaments in Division Three, two national championships. Here's a, a dumb question. Does it get old? <laughs> you know, it doesn't because every team is a brand-new experience. Yeah. Um, so it, it's... Uh, the same game, and you might be at the same school or a different school, but it, it is different year to year. Even if you have the same players coming back, it's going to be a different experience. So and this year has been kind of fun for me with a new staff. Um, so that's been kind of, you know, something new after 23 years. So, it, But it's, it's good. Every, every day is an, an adventure working with young young women. Uh, it certainly can be an adventure, I'm sure. Um, and it, we certainly hats off to all those like yourself who want to dedicate themselves to coaching. Um, this part I like to do is we have a little fun with the with the the center court segment, same as we do with the NABC Coaches Corner. We have about seven or eight questions we like to ask that are always the same for each coach, but kind of gives us an idea of the different mentalities of coaches across the board, if you don't mind having a little fun with us. All right, I'm going to give it a shot here, Dave. All right. What's your favorite thing about coaching, especially in Division Three, and maybe even more especially from someone who didn't play Division Three? Hmm. Well, I do love Division Three. Um, <laughs> it makes sense to me. I like about coaching basketball. I like going to practice. Mm. I I like to see if we can get a little bit better. And I know that's what every coach probably says. But if oh. we just get a little bit better every day, that's exciting for me. Okay, that's a new one. I like it. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Oh. <laughs> You can, be, uh, you can be honest. Hmm. Well, I, I have a theme in my head right now is um, not not working hard enough, you know, okay. not setting the bar high enough for sure. yourself. <laughs> I, I can appreciate that one. Uh, obviously, these the, the next couple have a, a, a bit of a caveat that we've added a ton of rules this year, but is there a favorite rule or nuance of the game? It can either be a rule or something, a nuance of the game that, that's just one of your favorite things about it. Well, I don't know that I have a favorite thing yet because it still feels pretty new. Sure. Um, but man, have these rules changed uh, changed the game? I, I guess you know being able to advance the ball is just a, a whole new ball of wax. So that's mm. probably the most interesting thing that's happened. Okay. Uh, is there any rule that you'd want to see added, removed, or changed? Ooh. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I'm going to joke here for a second. I sure. grew up in Iowa where we only got to have two dribbles. So I think we ought to just <laughs> limit the number of dribbles again. <laughs> really? I mean, there'd be no dribble motion offense, right? No. Uh, yeah, actually, I did. It was a. It was a. We were one of the last states to to <laughs> stick with that game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't tell people that. But you that might not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know what? I think not having the bonus right now and the five fouls each quarter, not not loving that right now. Really? But I'm sure I'll embrace it later. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> You're the first one to say that. Huh? That's no problem. That's why we ask them. Uh, do you have a pregame ritual or superstition? I don't. I don't, but my team does. I think they have something they call a no-pants dance. I'm, it's really not a no-pants dance, but they have some tradition in their <laughs> circle for them. <laughs> no-pants dance? Yeah, I guess so. I guess when they're wearing shorts, it's not pants, so I guess, you Right. Know. Yeah, I think it's just a little play in words there, but it, it sounds cute. <laughs> hey, what's your craziest travel experience? Um... Oh, goodness. I think uh, in our old conference we were in, we were mm. flying to Texas uh, to play, uh, oh, gosh, Austin College. <laughs> and uh, we were in the air and, and trying to avoid a storm, and they had to redirect us. And we landed in somewhere in Louisiana and gassed up. And, and just it became a – I think we left campus at 5 a.m. I think we got to the hotel maybe at 11 p.m., so oh. that was a long day. Oh. <laughs> That it, reasons everyone wants to know why DePaul and the SAA left the SCAC. You can start looking at that one right there. Right, right. How would your assistants describe you as a coach? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. I think demanding, in a sense, you know, trying to set the, the bar high for the team. Um, in, in a collaborative, I guess, I hope they would want to, describe me as that, that I, I certainly listen to their input and want them to be very involved with the team. Okay. And then when you retire, what do you hope people will remember you as a coach? Hmm. That we did things the right way, that we followed the rules, and we treated people the right way. That sounds like a perfect one. Makes sense to me. Uh, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Congratulations on the season so far, even if it's not one everyone's uh, uh, typical of. You're right there sitting there on the doorstep of first place with a big game against Denison coming up. Appreciate you coming on to the WBCA Center Court. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, a big thank you to you. You know, I think anyone who is uh, spending time talking about Division Three basketball, um, my hat's off to you. I think it's a great thing. Uh, at a great level to be at. And you give these young people that notoriety and that um, marketability that they deserve. So thank you for doing all that you do. And uh, please be safe as you weather this storm. <laughs> thank you. I will certainly try to be safe. I appreciate the kind words. Hopefully I'll run into you somewhere down the road. Either way, good luck the rest of the season. Thank you so very, very much. Yep, take care. Chris Huffman from DePaul on the WBCA Center Court. Appreciate her taking the time to join us. Again, team is 13-5 and five overall, 7-2 and two in the NCAC. That is your WBCA Center Court. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and shift to men's basketball. But interesting enough, it's got a DePaul tie. A DePaul graduate comes on the show to talk about men's basketball. We'll be talking to Mike McGrath from Chicago. Team is on a roll there as well, playing some pretty darn good basketball, leading the UAA. We'll talk to him. 
coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches and the WBCA Women's Basketball Coaches Association. More Hoops Hope right after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate, in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. 
It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets to score your championship seats today. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, last break, beginning of the break, uh, you may have heard me trying to do stuff in the studio. I think my mic was on, but it was, it was killed for most of the break. Apologize for the beginning of that. Sometimes the technical gods just don't want to work cooperatively with you. And if you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. I want to appreciate the NABC, the WBCA for helping us out as well. I'm going to get going because we're a little, running a little bit behind. One of the other teams, we're talking about teams that are on, on fire. Of course, teams also from places that see plenty of snow themselves, only because it just seemed to be apropos. This weekend, uh, one of those teams that was playing pretty darn good basketball started the season one and two, losing those two of the first three games of the season to North Park and Mount Union. Uh, some people were wondering what is up with the Maroons, but since then they have been on a tear, winning 13 straight, including two big wins this weekend against NYU and Brandeis. Uh, of course, NYU being a ranked team coming in. So we had to go talk to our friend Mike McGrath from Chicago, and he joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Good to be here, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I, uh, of course, interesting enough, we had DePaul women's basketball on right before you, so it seemed appropriate that we were bringing in a DePaul grad immediately after that. Our, uh, my fellow DePaul alumni are very proud of uh, what Coach Hoffman's done with the women's basketball program there in Greencastle, and uh, we talk about it often, and she's done an amazing job. Yes, and, and again, thirteen. we said 13-5, and five, having an off-year by their standards. I mean, that's how yeah. great that they're having. Uh, under Huffman, you're right. It's certainly something to tip their hat off. Uh, keeps Bill Fenlon on his toes. Um, but let's talk about your well, we won't. We won't tell you what people talk about when we talk about Fenlon. So. <laughs> Just, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, oh. Hey, uh, you guys, 13 straight wins. Mike, you and I have talked throughout the season off air, you know, beginning of the year here, and we – you know, it was X, Y, Z because you guys were one and two. Tough start. I watched the North Park game. And, and then and then the middle of the season, it felt like you guys were finally starting to find your stride. And you guys are kind of clicking along right now. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I, it was interesting. We took a foreign trip this year. We got a chance to spend two weeks in Australia and New Zealand. And um, I, and we do that in September because we start class so late. You know, in Chicago, we're on quarters. So we don't start till the end of September. And I thought, you know, every year is a new year. And even though we had a lot coming back, you know, those first couple games, you never know how things are going to be coming together or where you're at. You're always paranoid as a coach. And I thought maybe the trip would help us avoid that. But, you know, we played a good schedule. We lost to two very good teams on the road. And, uh, you know, people are saying, what's wrong with us? And I'm like, well, hopefully nothing. Um, but I thought we, I thought, I think we challenged ourselves. I think we stubbed our toe a couple times against good teams and, you know, that's going to happen when you challenge yourself. And since then, um, the guys have really come together and the guys have really kind of, kind of started to establish an identity as a team and what we're trying to accomplish. I mean, obviously you take a six point loss to North Park in a game I saw the last half of, and it just looked like you guys were a little out of sorts. It was the first game of the season. Let's be honest. You lose the mountain. You, hmm? And they're really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was going to, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. North Park isn't a bad team this year in any no, way, stretch, stretch or form. 
Uh, then you lose to North uh, to Mount Union, and to be honest with you, that's not a bad game either because Mount Union's a pretty good team, though I know you would love the better score. And then it was the next game. You play a North Central squad who has certainly been in the conversation nationally because of what they've done. They just beat Elmers pretty solidly the other night. They're a pretty good squad. That's a game that started this streak. You beat them by 13, and then you have been clicking along, even though we had a tough game against Pacific Lutheran on the road. Um, you had a, an interesting game against Puget Sound, but since then, you guys have just been building speed ever since then. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. Um, after the game against Mountain Union, and, and we just played really poorly. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I don't know if I shared this with you. We, we're not a good free-throw shooting team. Last year, we were 59% from the line out yeah. of the year. Yeah. We do a lot of things well. That isn't one of them. <laughs> and uh, the second half of the Mount Union game, we were 3 of 19 from the line. Oof. And I mean, it, just, it was just miserable. I just, we couldn't, and it was affecting everything we were doing. And, and, you know, I don't know which came first, us playing bad and missing free throws or missing free throws and playing bad. Sure. Um, one of my assistant coaches is a Caltech grad, and, and he did the math. He told me that the odds of a 59% free throw shooting team going 3 of 19 were 1 in 10,000. <laughs> so you know, and now let me put that in perspective for you, Dave. The, in, the, in the NFL this year, I looked this up, the team that had the worst odds of winning the Super Bowl was the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Jacksonville was a 300-to-1 oh. shot to win the Super Bowl. So that means Jackson, Jacksonville had a 33% better chance of winning the Super Bowl than we did going 3 of 19. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah, so it just kind of tells you, I mean, it, and don't get me wrong, my union's good and you're right. Um, it was a tough game. We were bad. We played poorly. And, and I was disappointed in that. I thought, you know, it, it had me nervous a little bit. And we got together as a team. And, you know, we played North Central the next day. And North Central had just come off beating Mount Union by 20. Right. And, uh, and they're very, very good. And Todd does a great job out there. And our team got together and we chatted a little bit. And we bounced back the next day and showed what a veteran group can do. And we just played as good as we've played all year in a, in a really tough situation to come back that quickly. Um, and since then, we've just continued to build on that. You know, we've got a really close-knit group. The guys really enjoy one another. They're hard workers. They're competitors. And, and you know, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it certainly has been fun. Of course, starting the conference schedule is always the true test. It's amazing how many times I know I've talked to you or I talked to Mark Edwards or I talked to somebody else in the UAA, and they're like, yeah, the, the out-of-conference is great. But when we get into conference play, that's when things really ratchet up. You guys got the win on the road against Wash U by a single point, and obviously that's a big rivalry game. You throw everything out the window there. Then you hit the road, and you got two wins against Carnegie Mellon and Case Western Reserve, and then everyone was pointing up this weekend with NYU and Brandeis coming to town at your place, and you come out with two wins there. you got to be thrilled with how you've started UAA play with 5-0 and record. Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, And, you know, it's funny. You hear people talk. Oh, our league's better than this league, and our league's sure. the best, and this yeah. league's the best. And that stuff kind of exhausting. It's like when I listen to the Division One people, I'm like, you, you hear people debating whether or not the SEC is better than the ACC. <laughs> and I'm like, they're both awesome. Right. Like, why does one have to be better than They're both awesome. Good call. And your, your point about league play is true of any conference. Yeah. Um, you know, you get into league play, and there's good coaching, there's rivalries. There's kids that know each other. You know each other's system. I mean, it ratchets up. And 
that's definitely true in our league. I mean, you know, we have a very, very balanced conference. We have very, very good coaching. Um, we have good talent. And, it's, you know, and, and obviously you throw in the travel factor. It, it's a challenge. It's a lot of fun, but it's a challenge. I mean, you know, right now I, we played at Carnegie Mellon. I thought they had a really nice team, and uh, they gave us everything we could handle. And, you know, very easily could have won that game. They have a, you know, 20-point win at home against F&M. And, you know, Tony does a great job. And they're sitting at 0-5 in our league right yeah, now. Yeah, it's a little baffling. I mean, it, 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 it's just hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was tell, I was telling my wife the other day, we were talking about uh, our jobs. And, <laughs> you know, she, she's in, you know, business management stuff. And, yeah, I was like, you know, Carrie, you have competition at work. But the people you're in competition against aren't trying to screw up what you're doing all the time. <laughs> you know, the people the, now the the people they're trying to figure out what I'm doing and mess it up. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a different thing. And then good people are doing that, and it's really hard. And well, so long and short is we're really happy about what our team's done. Sure. We've consistent, we've consistently defended, and. Uh, you know, that'll get you a long way in a league like ours. And this team's been building towards this. I mean, last year there was a lot of hype about how good you guys might be. I may have bought into that hype a little bit too much. You kind of told oh, me I was people, buying into people, it too much. Some people would say you were ringleading it, Dave. Um, <laughs> no, I, I thought we, you were, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I'm giving you a hard time. But, you know, we, we lost um, a returning second team all-time yeah. point third last year in Royce Muskie Valley who was going to be our only senior. And, uh, you know, that affected us. Royce was a great player, and uh, we still had a very good season. I, it wasn't quite where I thought we could have been. Tyler Howard took his place as a sophomore really kind of a year ahead of the curve yeah, and did a nice job for us. Um, you saw him early out in Baltimore as he was still kind of feeling his way. Yep. Um, and, and last year that hurt our success, losing Royce. This year it's helped us. You know, we're the we're the one team in our league that really doesn't have anybody learning a new role this year. Um, you know, we have everybody back. Everybody's kind of in the same role they were last year and just doing it better. And, you know, had we had Royce last year, Tyler would have been in a new role this year. Then. So, yeah, we, you know, we, we were a little disappointed how last year ended up. I thought we would have been a little bit farther along. But um, you, I thought this year, before the year started, it had a chance to be a special year, and it's – it's working that way right now. Well, even last year, you kind of pointed at this year, saying this could be the year, and, and you're being led by Jordan Smith. 12, 13 points a game, about three rebounds a game, certainly hands out his fair share of assists. Uh, you got Walla Perez, 12 points a game, four and a half rebounds, nine, 11 points out of Alex Voss, uh, eight points a rebound, or eight rebounds, I mean, for him. Uh, certainly impressive. That trio is certainly the trio. You've got other guys like Tyler Howard and Jake Fenlon and Nate Brooks, who certainly contribute. You have played a ton of guys in in every single game this season. So not only do you have that nice top trio of scorers, you've got a a wealth of people who are contributing, and you're willing to go deep on the bench this season. That's one of our strengths. I mean, I think our biggest strength as a a group is that we play hard and we defend. Um, We've done that consistently. Um, I think one of our next strengths, one of the things that allows us to do those things well is we do have good depth. Um, we've been playing nine and a half, ten guys all year, and, and uh, you know, I, 
day to day, I don't feel a huge drop off when we go from some guys to the others. I mean, you know, it, it, you really don't know who's going to stay. You know, we beat Carnegie Mellon because Blaine Crawford scored 16 points and, and played great. And, uh, you know, depending on the game, depending on the situation, different guys have brought different things to the table for us. Interesting set of games coming up. The UAA does this. Some other conferences I've started to notice will do this as well. You've got your your home games against Emory and Rochester. You'll finish out four straight with these two games coming up next weekend. Then the following weekend, you make that trip uh, to Emory and to Rochester, That the interesting flip that happens in the conference. Uh, doesn't yeah. give a lot of time for you to readjust to a team. The team's going to be very similar to who you just saw the previous weekend, obviously, but this this weekend coming up first, Emory's an interesting squad, certainly not playing at least the beginning of the year like they were uh, in the last few years, but they're a game behind you in the conference. And then you've got Rochester coming in here who on any given day can can ruin somebody's day. You, you, this is an interesting weekend coming up. It's really big for us. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, I know every game's going to be tough. I can't sit there and say, hey, this, this team's this or this team's that. I mean, you know, I, I have no idea how to predict how our league's going to play out. What I know is that Emory and Rochester are both really, really good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have them both at home. And if we can find a way to get two wins here and, and at home and end the first half of the conference play undefeated, nobody's going to be in a better position than we are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's definitely the goal. Um, I've watched a little bit of both of them throughout the course of the year. Um, you know, I think Emory's got a, a very, very good team. I think what they're dealing with is kind of what I was saying earlier about our team is they have very good players who are adjusting to new roles. And that takes some time sometimes. There's a there's an evolution involved there. You know, the last couple of years with Mike Florin and Alex Foster and Jake Davis. Yep. You know, those guys, those were their alpha males. Those were the guys kind of dominating things. And they had good players waiting their turn to kind of do that, but it takes a little time to do it. And, and if that starts clicking for them, they're, they're really, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, Rochester's got two great guards and, and a very, very good big guy um, who can put points on the board. And they play hard. They're very well coached. And, um, you know, I think it's kind of the same thing for them. They're just kind of kind of figuring some things out. They have a, you know, a freshman playing a couple of freshmen playing a lot of minutes for them, and that that can take time. And you know, if they click, you know, they can beat you. And if they click, they can be really, really good over the over the course of the second half of that league. And then before we let you go, the quick trick too is you then go travel to their place, and and that's the hardest trip in the UAA because you got to fly. You guys go, yeah, you're flying to Atlanta first. And then you're flying to Rochester second with very little turnaround. I mean, that's that's the that's the most brutal trip in the UAA. It's it's it, I, hey, we're flying to Atlanta and Rochester and just New York, two great cities. There's nothing brutal about oh, it. Oh no, no, no. Don't it's get me wrong the there. Yeah, I'm no. Even, yeah. It's the longest one. No, the I just mean, yeah, it's a long <laughs> and you gotta fly between two cities. Normally you fly yeah. into one bus to another. I mean yeah. you gotta go across the country north south. Yeah, <laughs> I don't wanna I don't want anybody to think we're crying about the opportunity that the UAA gives us. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a blessing more than a curse. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a tough. It is. Yeah. It is. It does. It does create a variable. 
Um, the thing that's interesting is we went to this mirrored schedule about I think it was about seven eight years ago. Yeah. And and the reason we did as a league, um, we try to minimize the number of times any school has to go on the road two weekends in a row. We feel like that's a, a big challenge on our kids' time and energy. Sure. Um, when you go on the road two weekends in a row, you essentially miss eight of eleven days on campus, and, and that's a challenge. Yeah. So we, in the effort to minimize that and to avoid anybody ever having to go on the road three weekends in a row, which would be miserable, mm. the only the only way to do it was to, to go to this mirrored kind of concept. Got it. And and when we went to it, I thought, boy, if we win these first two games, it's really hard for them to come back and beat us. <laughs> um, and and I, I really thought that was going to be the case. Like, boy, you just beat them. Now you're going to turn around and play them again. I don't care if it's in your place or their place. It's pretty tough to bounce back and get somebody. Yeah. And and the number of times that's happened across our league over the past seven or eight years has blown my mind. I mean, we just saw, I think it was, wasn't Amherst with Wesleyan that just had back-to-back games with about a 50-point swing? Yeah. Um, you know, it's basketball. Um, so you're right. There's not a lot of adjustments that go on, but – you know, there's a lot of motivation there. There's a lot of history there. People know each other, so you just got to come and play every time. Well, at least you get out of Chicago and see Atlanta. The curse of it all is then you go up to Rochester, so you're literally swinging through all the climates at once. <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll see. You know, we tell recruits all the time, well, you come to the UAA, you get to fly to New York and Boston and Pittsburgh and Cleveland and <laughs> St. Louis and Chicago and we don't mention that you do that in January and February <laughs> in the middle of the week. Um, it sounds really cool, but it's it's cold. If you think about it, those are about the coldest and snowiest places in our country that you can think of. And, yeah, um, we we're going there in January and February, so <laughs> you got to feel bad for for Emory. They're the ones who have to fly into the cold weather all the time. At least you guys get to enjoy visiting Atlanta once in a while. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's a fun trip, and yeah. you know, and, and the best thing about our league is. And it's funny as, as technology has evolved over time, you know, the kids in our league are very similar to one another. The coaches in our league get along very, very well. And you start to see a connection and a bond develop among kids over the, the four years that they play with one another and they communicate with each other and they get to know one another. And, you know, we, we have unique institutions in our league and, our schools have made the commitment to put put an investment into our athletic program to give them the chance to compete against kids who, who are having a similar experience. And uh, it's kind of fun to watch those relationships develop. And so it's always fun for, you know, for me to go down to Atlanta and see a couple of alums that are down there working and catch up with them a little bit. It's, it's a great trip. And then the same is true in Rochester. Yeah, no, absolutely. I hear that from a lot of coaches, and that is kind of the cool thing of the UAA. So, hey, I could talk to you for a half hour to an hour on this show, but unfortunately I can't. Uh, i got to let you go here. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on the show. Congratulations on this on this point of the season. Looking forward to seeing what the Maroons do the rest of the way and probably getting you back on the show. Worst case, I know I'll see you in Salem, uh, and we'll talk more basketball there. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, it's been a it's been a fun year in Division Three basketball. It's been fun following what teams are doing. I think it's the one thing I've noticed. I think you and I have chatted. It's, it's interesting. Some of the traditional powers aren't having the the years they they normally do. Yep. And there's kind of some new schools in there, and uh, you know it's been interesting. You know, watching the top twenty five, you see some schools 
you know, that are undefeated that have been slow to kind of get up there and get ranked because, you know, the voters don't trust them the way maybe they trust other teams that have been there year in, year out. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out here over the next six, seven weeks. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. It's uh, It's been a fun year that way. So, yeah. Uh, hey, well, thanks very much. Take care and uh, stay out of the cold, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, David. All right, Mike McGrath joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. Again, 14-2 and overall, 5-0 and in the UAA. Two big games coming up at home against Rochester and Emory before they flip the script, and we'll play Rochester and Emory on the road. Uh, as Coach said, love to get through the first half of the UAA Conference undefeated. That would certainly give them a nice... Uh, at least probably two-game hold on the conference at the top uh, with the rest of the conference seven games ahead. Remember, the UAA does not play a conference tournament. It will be go to the uh, top team remaining, Chicago Vine, for that as we speak. We're going to take a break. Running behind. Got to get down to Texas. Got to talk to a man down there about his Tigers squad. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Brought to you by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. <clears throat> if you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, talking to many teams who can deal with the weather, as it were, but we're going to go to a team now who enjoys a little bit more, more normal weather. Though I'll be admit, and I was in Texas a week ago, there was some frost on my car. There was some frost on my car. I now have three feet of snow outside here in Maryland, but at least felt good that down in Texas it can get cold too. Team not cold necessarily is the team we're going to talk to next. Won five in a row after a tough three-game stretch in the middle of the season. They are leading the ASC East Division. 
and playing some good basketball. So we figured one more trip to Texas, despite not being in Texas this time, we'll go back to the Hoopsville Hotline and bring in the man who runs East Texas Baptist basketball, the Tigers. Burt West joins us. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Oh, thank you, Dave. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I, I love watching the Weather Channel and seeing all that beautiful snow. <laughs> yeah, when it's not at your place, right? <laughs> That's right. We Hey, we had a good snow Thursday night. <laughs> I walked out of the gym after the game, truck was covered up, drove home, Time I got up next morning, it was all gone. Good. So that's that's the way to get a snow. Good. So the storm that hit us at least hit you first. That's good. That makes me feel a little bit better. We got touched. Got touched. <laughs> exactly. In Marshall, Texas, you got a little bit of snow. Um, hey, listen, uh, you guys are playing some good basketball. Uh, I know it's probably not the best season you wanted. You've had some bumps in the road earlier on, but thirteen and four overall, six and two in the conference overall. How do you think you're doing? Overall, this bunch is starting to become my favorite all-time team, wow. or at least one of them. This, the, the, these little rascals are just scrappers. They're tough. They're unselfish. They're smart. And and I tell you, they're going to never say die. We've been through some tough situations. We've been in tough places and got some more tough places coming. But, uh, you know, if you're going to get in the foxhole with somebody, I like this group. It's interesting. Uh, you guys have had some, some tough stretches. I mean, you, you had a Texas Lutheran's got your number. Let's just be honest. Uh, <laughs> yes. They beat you 79-78 back at the end of November, and then they returned the favor the end of December and beat you 69-54. Of course, that second loss, steamrolled into a three-game losing streak, two of them in conference at Concordia, Texas, and Howard Payne before you guys righted the ship a little bit there. What's it about Texas Lutheran that's got you guys uh, kind of, com- not confused, but you know what I'm trying to say. I think uh, they're, they're a tough matchup for us. They are very well coached. Uh, well, they got a young coach named Jimmy Smith. And yep. He's been on your show. That young man is an up and comer. He is a, a, and a special coach. And then he's got great kids, and they're tough, and they're strong. And it's a little bit of a difficult matchup for us sometimes. And the first game, we had them and, and let them get away. And then the second game, uh, we just. It was coming off the holidays, and, and certainly no excuses. They're coming off the holidays, too. But we just didn't seem to be as strong, and, and, and they, they flat beat us that second game. And, and so we we uh, we think they're a good team, and uh, we we tried to say we don't lose. We, we either win or we learn. <laughs> so it, it looked like it took – we were slow learners there for two or three games, but, but it looks like the guys have lined out again. Well, you were all over the place, too, with that three-game stretch. You you only scored 54 against Texas Lutheran in a 69-54 loss. The next game against Concordia, you you put up 90 in a 101-90 loss. And then against Howard Payne, you put up 65 in a 67-65 loss. From the outside, it looks like the teams you're playing are controlling you a little bit. Well, and you know, we went through a stretch where we, were having a, we weren't handling the ball very well. We had, we had two problems going at the same time. One, we weren't taking good care of the basketball. And then that second game against uh, Texas Lutheran, it escapes me right now, but we were we shot something like 26% from the floor for mm. the game. And I, I don't remember that ever happening to one of my teams. That, of course, if it ever did, that'd certainly be something you'd try to forget. Yeah. But that was the worst shooting performance I can remember from one of our teams. And then the other two games, we, we didn't take good care of the basketball. And as soon as we started getting that corrected, and things kind of got back to normal. So the, hopefully the... It's just a struggle, Dave. There's, I think our conference was stronger last year at the top 
But this year, it's almost like we don't have a top. We're, we're at the top, but we've all the strength is is in the middle of the conference, and and I feel like we're there too. We're right there, just like everybody else. It's a, I, I hate parody. It's it's just a <laughs> fight for your life every game. <laughs> Did I not see whether in the Division One poll, seven of the top eight teams got beat this weekend? Yeah, I think something like that. That's the way it is in our conference. <laughs> you, people that you know uh, didn't have a great, uh, maybe they weren't picked to finish very high. They're loving this. You know, they feel like they got a chance to win every time. And people that were picked higher are like, yikes, there's no place safe. Uh, I was going to say, good segue into the American Southwest Conference here, the ASC. And you guys are certainly, uh, as you put it, uh, having an interesting standings, as it were. You guys are on top of the East Division at 6-2. and two. Louisiana College is right behind you at 4-3. and three. Texas, Dallas, Letourneau, 5-4 and four each. Uh, and then the records are all over the place because Louisiana College is 7-8. and eight. And Texas Dallas is eleven and five. And you look on the west side, Sol Ross State is leading the way at six and three and ten and eight. And Harden Simmons is five and three, ten and seven. Um, yeah, is anybody gonna take this conference by storm and grab it by the reins and and and, and haul it in, or is this gonna be a freak crazy tournament we're gonna be seeing coming up? Well, I I I just don't have a clue. To tell you the truth, I <laughs> I thought uh, I knew that we were going to be in, a, in just a, a fight for life every game. You know, I expected that. I was prepared for that. I wasn't quite prepared for everybody to be in the same boat. We're beating each other up so badly. There's no hope of anyone getting into the national tournament yeah. without winning the conference. Yeah. And if that conference tournament is in Alpine, and by the way, Cliff Carroll is doing a super job with his Lobos and Alpine. And if we go to Alpine, uh, by the time we get home, it'll be time to go, you know, for the first round of the national tournament. And, and uh, it, it's going to be difficult. It, we have made it hard on ourselves by it being so even. We're just beating each other to death. I was going to say, if it's an Alpine, that's a whole other conversation. We're talking about Solrao State there with Greg Wright uh, running the ship there. They've got an interesting season going on. Let's talk specifically a little bit more about your team, uh, if you don't mind. I'm actually double. I wanted to double check something here before I, okay. I, I asked you, but um, I wanted to see a name. Um, hey, one thing while you're thinking, Cliff Carroll is actually the head coach at Soul Ross this year. Oh, it's his right, first year there. That's right. Coach I'm sorry. Left. Yep, I That's was looking right. at the at, a, at an old at an old uh, sheet there. I apologize. You're right. Um, looking at your squad here. Um, leading the way uh, with the team is uh, Dylan Augustine, 12.1 points a game, uh, 3.7 rebounds. Um, Brent Atkins, 12.1 points a game, 4.1 rebounds, and 11.2 points from Junior Mitchell at 4.4 re- rebounds. Don't have a lot of dominant rebounding guys um, since Samuel uh, hasn't played as of late, but you got at least a bunch of good scores. We, we have uh, – it's amazing, Dylan Augustine and Brent Atkins – have scored the exact same amount of points. And they're two of our top shooters. They're little undersized wing players. that They're just like a couple of pit bulls. They are just as quality people as they are players. And they're real unselfish. And they're real good shooters. And their teammates do a good job of setting them up and helping them get shots. And, and they're, they're shooters. And we've got Tyler Day off the bench as another extremely good three-point shooter. So... But, and all of us, we don't have the size that we thought we were going to have. So everybody's a rebounder. And, and the guys are – if a guy plays here in the last half dozen games, he's gotten a rebound. So everybody is focused on trying to just, just help. Like we're going to be – it's going to make it a, 
a, a group effort to rebound with people. I was going to say, how hard is that to adjust to? Because you, you know, you've got uh, Samuel there for the first half of the season, and he's obviously your top rebounder at the time. And then things change, and, and you've got to adjust to that. How hard is it to, to get – rebounding is not sometimes always second nature. That is sometimes something you've got to really drill into guys' heads a little bit to change their mentality on how to rebound. Well, that's one of the things that makes this team so much fun. Uh, just a quick word on Jamil Samuel. He, I, I, I feel confident he would have been player of the year. He yeah. was that kind of player, a double-figure scorer, double-digit rebounder, yeah. going to yeah. lead the conference or be second in blocks, probably first or second. And he was the guy that when he came out of the game, he got a drink and then got on the edge of his chair and went to uh, coaching, correcting, encouraging, helping from the sidelines. So that's player of the year type guy. So certainly you miss someone like that. But uh, we were aware that, that, you know, the semester was going to finish up his eligibility. So uh, the coaches, we were prepared, and, and we just sort of waited for the right time to tell the kids. And I, that's, I guess one of the reasons why this team has is, is become, you know, so so much of a favorite to me. They the, the character, the spirit, the heart they display, it doesn't matter what happens. Those days will just keep fighting. And, and uh, I, I tell you, just got to give them a lot of credit for that. Um, of course, you mentioned Atkins. I think one of the things that's interesting about Atkins is he's from Croatia. <clears throat> How you get a man from Croatia you know, to come down and, and play, uh, play basketball for you uh, in Texas is beyond me. But he's there for his second season. He's doing awfully well. You've got to be thrilled with how that's all worked out. That is, uh, you know, he is actually the son of missionaries. He is an American that was <laughs> raised in Croatia by American missionary parents. Fascinating. And, and uh, oh, it gets better. He's actually hearing impaired. That's terrific. He's one of the best young men you will ever meet. And I'm going to tell you, of all the players you've ever seen, you pick out, you try to pick out the one or two or three that are the hardest working players you've ever seen. He will be their equal. Uh, it, it would not, it would be disrespectful for me to say he's the hardest working player of all time ever. I just say there's no one can outwork him. His work ethic is incredible. His character is incredible, and he uh, he just got the heart of a lion. He can just battle and fight forever. Well, he, he is he is fun to coach. He uh, of course is also uh, only a sophomore. You get to hit, get him two more years. That's got to be fun as well. Well, I wish that were true, Dave. Actually, he transferred to us. Okay. And so, th- so this is his senior year. It is. That's too bad. But maybe we will. Uh, yeah, I would love to have him two more years. Oh yeah, I just see it. Senior experience. Somehow, I had it down mm-hmm. as a sophomore. I apologize. Uh, probably no just problem. me. He's a second year player for us. Yep. There you go. I probably wrote it down that way, and and in my in my digging out of a blizzard mind, I got it reversed in my head on how that all played out. So you've well, got understandable. You got Laterno and Texas Tyler ahead of you, but what's interesting is what's after that. You you got an interesting finish this season, Coach. So you finish at home with Te- Laterno and Texas Tyler, which will be four in a row and five out of six games at home. Then you get to get hit the road, and and you got to play five in a row. Uh, February is basically road games all the way: Louisiana College, Texas Tyler, Laterno, University of Ozarks, Texas Dallas. You'll finish the season at home against Bellhaven, which means nothing in the grand scheme of things because they're not eligible uh, for postseason and all that stuff. So it's just a it's just a home game for you guys to finish the season with. But you're going to have five really tough games all on the road all in the month of February coming up. How do you prepare the guys for that? Well, and you know, I can make it even sound worse. You know what's <laughs> worse? Each one of those 
is a rival game. Yeah, true. See, when you've been someplace 22 years, you have everybody's a rival. Exactly, we are rivals <laughs> with everybody, and so you know when during the uh, UT Dallas game Thursday night, uh, boy, those Tigers and Comets almost beat each other to death. That was an awesome basketball game as far as effort, and it was good execution. It is extremely good, hard play. And uh, they were so tired that they go to L.C. and get beat by a surprising amount because they've got a really good team. And it was all we could do to, to beat Ozarks. You know, if we'd had to travel, we'd have lost too, I fear. It was, we'd just beat each other to death. Now, Thursday, Letourneau's coming in. That is our huge rival, and they are they are on a roll. They're playing great. Uh, heck, they look, they look really good to me. And so – uh, that'll be fun. We get through with them. We have Tyler Sunday, and then we will travel to Louisiana on Monday. And so if we can still wiggle, then we'll go to Tyler and then back to Longview and then up into Arkansas to Ozarks and, and then finish off. If, if we're still on our feet and staggering around, we'll be at UT Dallas to have those comments. I'm sure they have a little something waiting on us. Does that sound bad or what? It sounds challenging. Of course, Louisiana College is uh, at four and three in the conference, and technically a game or so back of you in the in the standings. Texas Dallas is five and four. Letourneau is five and four. Texas Tyler is six and, or three and six. And so, obviously, all of these games have a huge ramification in the conference. Uh, and certainly, it's going to. Have you talked to anybody about that scheduling though? I mean, five in a row there at the end. I must have made the scheduler mad. <laughs> yes. Or it's like an NFL schedule. If you do real well one year, they, they make your schedule really difficult <laughs> for next year. But I, that's what I was going to have to prepare for. We're going to have a meeting, and I'm going to tell the players that they're going to have to toughen up and get ready and, and for this challenge, and, and I'm just going to have to do a little better. Reckon that'll work? That sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know how it works out for you. We'll see how it plays out. I'll have a meeting with those guys tomorrow and see if I can straighten them out. Exactly. Obviously, it's all about positioning yourself to get to the to get to host. Hopefully, the conference tournament. Worst case scenario, at least win the conference and get that AQ. So, wins and losses are important in the grand scheme of things. You said at the beginning, though, this is not about an at-large bid. This is about positioning yourself for the conference in just the right way that you can at least get a good shot at the AQ, and that's important. It is. I, I, you know, probably uh, as difficult as that will be, I, we may be. It may be an impossibility to get them at large. I, I would think if we could win out, and I tell you that is asking a lot. But if we could win out, and then if we lost in the tournament, people should look at that schedule and say those guys might deserve a chance. You know. If, if you could win out, that would that would just be that would be impressive. No, it would be. It would be that'd be huge for you guys. It would. Uh, I, it, I even I wouldn't know what to say, and I'm I'm rarely at a loss of words. <laughs> if we went out, of course, the guys told me I, I, I made a foolish statement, something about a mustache if they beat Manhart and Baylor or something. Oh, God, I got a little beard going again, and I thought, well, I didn't I didn't think that through. Now we've won five in a row, and I can't shave. So now I got that ugly beard going again. So don't worry, I coach. You, I got I got a three day one going. If it makes you feel better. <laughs> yeah, but you probably haven't had any electricity. Uh, actually, believe it or not, if I didn't have electricity, you and I wouldn't be talking. Uh, we we've oh, had yeah, power, yeah. but I haven't had any urge to go there when I'm going to bundle up anyway. 
What's the point? A um, <laughs> little, little extra warmth from the little bit of hairs on my chinny chin chin. Uh, well, Coach, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about is obviously you've been there a long time. You are a East Texas alum. Uh, yeah. And you are coaching your own program. The, the, the school obviously has a very special place in your heart. Well, it does. And uh, uh, the administration and my athletic director, Kent Lees, everyone's been so kind to me over the years. And, and I, I tell you, it's, you sometimes take things for granted, you know, being happy someplace. But, well, what a blessing it's been for me to be at East Texas Baptist University. And I've got so many kids that were – so great and made me a better person to have gotten to be around them. And I've got some of those right now. And, you know, when the, when the coaching days are over, that's what you'll really miss, you know, that dressing room and, and uh, watching those kids develop. And so it, it is special. I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, how it's got to even be even more special than to then have the season you had last year and get to the elite eight and be knocking on the door of the final four. That was that was that was true. I, I think a, a lot of people were happy for me, but I was happy for the university and and those players who had worked so hard and, and earned that. But the university got you know a little little publicity, and we got to show off who we were and what we were about. And and um, it would be awfully nice if we could get an opportunity to do that again. Well, I'll go win the conference, coach. And we'll see you dance in the tournament, right? You're right. We're going to do our very best. Yeah. Hey, I love chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Hey, just uh, if anybody gets a chance to watch ASC basketball, uh, don't judge us necessarily on how good or bad we are. Judge on how close or how hard fought and how competitive everything is. And, and uh, other than that, uh, Dave, I sure appreciate you having us on, and I love talking about the Tigers. Well, thank you, Coach. You take care of yourself. Enjoy the cold weather. I mean, for you, uh, cold weather. <laughs> Very good. Enjoy that. the motorcycle tomorrow. Yeah, I forgot. You like to ride the motorcycle, so the cold weather's not always great for you, is it? No, it's not, but but uh, but I'm busy doing cold weather anyway, so it's all right. There you go. Well, hey, appreciate you chatting with you. Take care. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Dave. All right. Burt West joining us here on Hoopsville. Appreciate him taking the time. Again, team is 13-4 and four overall, 6-2. and two. In the East Division of the ASC, the West Division being led by Sol Ross State right now. I think we're going to have to make some calls to get somebody from Sol Ross on the show Thursday. That's just a heck of a story as well, but a great story out of there. They could just avoid Texas Lutheran. I think uh, East Texas Baptist would be having a pretty darn good season. They're having a good season, but I mean even better. I had them in my top 25 for about half the season. A three-game losing stretch, though, and against Texas Lutheran, Concordia, and Howard Payne just kind of bit the bullet and couldn't hold on. But we'll see how they do. Watch out for the Tigers. Remember, that's the team that got all the way to the Elite Eight last year. It's not because they aren't good. Uh, and they got some good players on it. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, thank Coach for coming on. We're going to wrap show up now without taking a break. It's just a lot easier that way. So if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Um, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. I want to check out what games may have been played. By the way, I saw an interesting tweet, oh, hours ago that was actually sent to, to D3Hoops, which is Pat, not to me, but I see him because I follow who may be tweeting uh, in, in those locations, and it brought up something interesting, what I didn't quite follow. It says, beat number eight and number 19 in the country this week. Okay, there it is. Sorry, I was trying to figure something out. So anyway, 
So the question is, it's a, it's a Wesleyan fan asking why they're not in the top 25 or, or if they should deserve to be. <clears throat> Listen, I've thought about putting Wesleyan in the top 25. It's my father's alma mater, just for, for record's sake, and be kind of cool to go, hey, Wesleyan. I saw him last year. Great team. I think this. I think the Cardinals are coming along very nicely. I think Joe Riley's done a terrific job there. But here's why you're not a top 25 team just as yet. Yes, you beat number eight uh, um, Amherst earlier this week, 71-44. We talked about that on Thursday. That's an impressive victory. Uh, you then beat Tufts this week, 78-77, and you beat Bates, 82-67 this week. Those are all great wins. But that doesn't mean I'm going to forget that you also lost to Amherst prior to that 66-40. So basically, we had a flip game. They beat you 66-40. You beat them 71-44. Yeah, uh, that Amherst game was loss number two of three in four games. Middlebury beat you. You beat a a Hamilton. You lost to Amherst. You lost to Trinity. So you've won three in a row, but you lost three of the prior prior four. Um, you lost the beginning of the game, season against Linden State. Linden State, in my mind, I'm still thinking about that game. So Wesleyan, good team. Good team out of the Northeast. But <clears throat> unfortunately, you, you forget about the 10. <clears throat> that's 11 game. Hold on. <coughs> three, six, nine, ten, eleven game win streak when you lose three and three of the last three and three of four, I should say, including a thumping Amherst. And then, yes, you, you return the favor, but that's inconsistency voters don't like. Voters want to see a little bit more out of Wesleyan. Uh, they got Connecticut College coming up this week. They're going to play Emmanuel as well this week. Then they're Williams, Bowden, and Colby to finish off. They only have five games left in their in their record. So 15 and four Wesleyan, pretty good. We, don't be surprised. We're not talking to the Cardinals soon, but it's those kinds of things as a top 25 voter. Very hard to do. And by the way, there are so many teams out there to consider that it's hard to take a 15 and four squad who lost three out of four games in relatively recent history and say, well, they're in the top 25. That's hard to do. Yeah, you got two big wins this week, but you're you're acting as if we should forget about the losses and, and it doesn't work that way. Um. Doesn't mean they may not come back, and, and it may not be a top 25 team by the end of the season. But right now, I'm considering 50 to 70 teams a week, and Wesleyan's part of that 50 to 70 teams. But I I, I can't argue them into the top 25 with that kind of resume. So I just wanted to, to say that because I had spotted it on Twitter. It was something I thought of interest, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we did have a lot of scores today because of delayed games, and we also had a lot of games we were supposed to play today that didn't end up playing. Quickly going to the scoreboard, we'll double-check that we didn't have any major upsets that we missed. Obviously, we talked to Chicago earlier. They beat Brandeis by 12. NYU, significant win over WashU, 75-72. I said this at the beginning of the show. I'm not voting for NYU. I'm still not going to vote for NYU, but at least they now have a win on there that I can consider a little bit better than the Arcadia game. Granted, this is a WashU team who's not nearly as good as it has been in the past. So nothing against NYU. You're almost kind of getting hurt by WashU, of course. Uh, Wash U, they beat Wash U last year, but with a different squad. We'll keep an eye on them. Rochester barely beat Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon's record is deceiving. They're seven and nine overall, zero and five in the conference. You take that out of there. They're seven and two outside of the conference. They are actually a good team. A team that beat F and M this season by twenty. I want to say uh, they're just struggling to get a win in conference. Um, Emory beat Case Western Reserve. Other games that took place, uh, Lebanon Valley Albright was scheduled. I'm quite sure that game didn't happen. Uh, we'll double-check Albright's uh, page. I'm willing to bet that was another one of those games that got postponed. It just didn't get marked in the calendar, which, you see, this is where those things happen. No, no, I I, I 
hold on. No, I might be looking at that wrong. Yeah, it's been postponed. Uh, they're going to play it now on the 20th. They're going to play it tomorrow. A lot of these schools, what happened here was they had games scheduled for Saturday. Couldn't play them Saturday. Tried to play them Sunday. That's obviously out of the question. So they didn't play them Sunday. They're playing them Monday because the schools, usually a lot of the schools are coming back into session on Monday. Well, because of the storm, students can't get on campus. So as a result of it, they are actually delaying students getting on campus and thus the classes starting. As a result of that, you can get a game in on Monday. So that's actually, it's kind of working out that way. You're going to get a bunch of games tomorrow, which is very rare. You mentioned Babson being Coast Guard earlier. I did not mention that was an overtime, 190. Uh, St. Vincent lost to Bethany. That's not, not a good loss for St. Vincent. Some people thought they deserved maybe some top 25 attention, but Bethany beats them. They fall to 13-4. and four. That's their first con- conference loss. Uh, of course, you look at the conference now, Bethany's sitting in a, in a three-way tie now at 7-3, and three, two games back of St. Vincent. So not a good loss there on the men's side for St. Vincent. Uh, Manhattanville beat Kings. Uh, Plattsburgh State beat Geneseo. I know it's been a tough week even for the men's team at Geneseo. Middlebury beat Williams. That's a big win. Williams has been all over the place this season, but Middlebury is building towards the end. Might be interesting to see what happens with the Panthers as we move forward. Center beat Millsaps in overtime, 84-78. Interesting outcome there for that Millsaps squad especially, but center who's had a tough conference schedule. Just It's been tough this year. Oglethorpe beat Hendricks. Um, not seeing anything else. Uh, Suwannee took a loss to Birmingham Southern. Suwannee, who is uh, having a, a, a tremendous season this year by their standards, 11-6, and 4-2 and two in conference. But they've lost the, they lost the weekend. They lost to Millsap 70-69. They lost to Birmingham Southern 74-73. So they lose the weekend by a grand total of two points. That hurts if you're Swanee, but Bubba Smith and his squad is one to reckon with. Watch out for Swanee, maybe a future guest on the show as well. Jumping on the women's side, Rochester beat Carnegie Mellon. We mentioned this earlier, Carnegie Mellon losing both games this this weekend to Emory and Rochester, uh, losing by 23 to Rochester. That's a good Rochester squad. It's weird for me, though, to look at that Rochester women's squad because I saw them playing one of the deep consolation games at the Wendy's Classic because they lost the very first day of the Wendy's Classic. I didn't see them late in the champ. You know, they weren't in the championship game or anything. So it's kind of weird to see a team take one loss, be playing deep in the consolation bracket, and yet they're number seven team in the country. Uh, we mentioned NYU beat WashU in a battle of eight v nine. NYU was nine and WashU was eight. Lebanon Valley and Albright again postponed till tomorrow. They'll play that at five o'clock. Um, Maryville got another win. They beat Meredith rather easily, sixty nine thirty nine. Um, Babson defeated Coast Guard, 78-54, to keep that new Mac rather interesting. Um, trying to see if there's any other scores that jump out at me on women's side. Case Western Reserve beat Emory. That's interesting. 76-62, considering Emory had just beaten Carnegie Mellon the night before. Emory's been a little bit Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde this season on the women's side, even on the men's side, but especially on the women's side. Looking through quickly to see if there's any other scores that jump out at me. Millsaps barely got past center, 42-40. Chicago beat Brandeis, 73-59. That's good because Chicago had lost to NYU. Chicago, I'm not thinking having the season anybody thought they might. Williams beat Middlebury, 66-49. Williams not ranked right now, but they may work their way back into the rankings. Lynchburg beat Washington Lee, 65-48 in the ODAC play. Lynchburg a good team we'll keep an eye on as well. Those are the scores that jumped out at me. In the meantime, if you've had any questions, we've asked you to tweet or email 
checking out to see if anybody has tweeted or emailed, and so far nobody has. So quick uh, scheduling notes, reminder that coming up on Thursday will be our marathon show. We will be on the air 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. As far as guests, you're going to have to follow us on Twitter to figure out who our guests are as we start to book them. Um, as we haven't gotten anybody little, uh, completely booked, we'll start working on that process in the next 24 hours. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank our guests as well from WPI, Sharice uh, Galasso from uh, Rowan, Gabby LaSalle from um, DePauw in our WBCA Center Court. It was Chris Huffman from Chicago, Mike McGrath, and from East Texas Baptist, it was Bert West. I want to thank their, all their SIDs as well. I warned them. I was kind of under the gun a little bit due to the storm, and I wouldn't be able to do some things, wouldn't be as, you know, not as flexible, but available as usual. And they all uh, stepped up, appreciated them doing that and, and helping me out, getting those guests set up and ready for us and, uh, and getting the execute. This is the first time we've had a full live show in quite a while, if at all, this season. Sometimes we at least have one pre-taped interview. Went full live tonight. Uh, Thursday, we'll throw in some uh, interviews just to give me a break. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, most of that will show will be live as well. Again, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're going to be back on Thursday. Then we're uh, back uh, the following Sunday at 7 o'clock. Two weeks from now, Super Bowl Sunday, we will have an earlier show than scheduled. We are not crazy enough to try and compete against the Super Bowl. We know that you Division Three fans would probably rather listen to this show live than watch the Super Bowl. But we're not crazy enough to, to make you do that. So we'll have an earlier show two weeks from now. Usually, it's, I think it's like a 1 or 2 o'clock show, uh, usually so we can get on the air and off the air in time for the Super Bowl. That's going to do it for us. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank all of our guests and the sports information directors and those others who helped us get the show on the air tonight. I want to thank my family as well. Um, it's been a little bit of cabin fever here despite getting outside to play. We're going to be here a little bit longer as schools have been closed at least one, maybe two more days as roads are hard to deal with. But I want to thank you for tuning in. Also thank the WBCA and NABC for their support. Don't forget the Hoopsville fundraising efforts will be starting up soon. we we'll hopefully get those up and running in the next 24 hours. I have a lot of work ahead of me tomorrow on top of a basketball game as well. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll be back on Thursday with more Hoopsville. Good night, everybody.